Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 116 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show. As always, I have my amazing co-host joining me today, starting with Rob. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> so cool, he adds his own echo. Uh, and Josh. Resistance is futile. Yes, futile. very, very aggressive, very aggressive start today. Um, today on the show, we'll be covering this week's books from DC, and we hope you enjoy it. Of course, make sure you stick around until the end of this episode to hear our top three books of the week, our biggest thinker, and to find out which titles might just make the dump list. If you would like to support us further, please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast for either a one-time donation or subscription for access to our Discord, as well as other exclusive content that's available on the network. But with that out of the way, let's get into the news for this week. Guys, what's uh, what's new with you? Nothing. How about you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Got a new phone. Can't wait to get Fun. into it. Yeah, Pixel 7. Always nice to have new tech yeah, sometimes. That's it, yeah. That's, uh, that's about it for my world. What's new with you, Except, Brandon? Yeah. Except when it's a Dell computer at Brandon's house, then it's not okay that's to not, get yeah, into shit. Right? Um, we, we were talking off the air. My my laptop, my, my previous Mac, broke. Um, like That's the one thing I hate about these Macs. Um, like They can be pretty durable, but if the screen breaks, it's just completely fucked. Um so the screen broke, wouldn't you know it, and I had to get a replacement for a day that the school loaned, and it was a Dell laptop, and it was literally like just the most painful thing ever. It's, it's the embodiment of first world problems, but I'm just, I'm so not used to using a Dell. It was literally like learning a new language. So for, for about a day and a half, I was trying to figure the damn thing out, and it was just killing me. So thankfully, I was able to get a replacement pretty soon. So we're, we're back on track. We're back on Mac you can say, I suppose. Um, <laughs> oh, God, I thought. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. Oh, there it exactly. goes. Oh, God. That's that's definitely what I was okay. saying once the, the damn thing showed up. Um, but as for me, um, as, as I'm sure you guys are exhaustingly aware by now, uh, last weekend got to go to New York Comic Con, which is like the one thing I get to do in the fall, the one fun thing I get to do um, that I, I look forward to the most. Uh, and naturally, there was a lot of big news this year, and I was I was very happy to to finally, after like five years of of longing, uh, be be able to go to some of the big panels, which was uh, very exciting. Um, but uh, in terms of the personal experience, it was just great. Um, I mean, it was you know there there is definitely a stigma around the show. A lot of people are not uh, are not big fans of of New York, and in fact, Bleeding Cool actually ran an article that was like um, New York Comic Con needed more heroes or something like that and the first point they mentioned was like the city is gross and I totally get that but for me I'm, I'm living like in the middle of, of nowhere because um, my, my college is just located in, in nowhere upstate New York so getting into the city is like a joy no matter how gross or disgusting it is it, it just beats seeing the same four cow farms um, but aside from that, it was it was just a lot of fun, and there were a lot of great highlights um, that uh, that I was very fortunate uh, to experience. Um, first one, uh, just uh, this was a personal one for me, but but actually getting to meet Jonathan Hickman in in public, in face to face, was like a, a three year long goal that I finally get to do, and it went exactly as I hoped it would, um, and it was just just super fun. Um, the uh, the Scott Snyder Jock Comicsology Con 
conversations panel uh, was also a lot of fun, um, and I, I somehow won a free Amazon Fire 7 um, for asking awesome. two ridiculous nice. questions um, that, that were very embarrassing, um, but I guess were so embarrassing that uh, they were willing to, to, to fork over uh, the prize along with uh, someone else, I guess, who, who won another additional one. They were, they were giving them out to whoever asked the most interesting questions, um, and I and I have now. To I need to those. know what your questions were. Uh, the first one was a pseudo intellectual question, as I, as I'm sure you would expect, no less. Which was basically, um, you know, Snyder had been talking a lot about like this idea of inherent evil and sort of the themes that he'd been exploring around that in his books lately. And my question was just like, you know, has exploring some of these ideas around inherent evil and fatalism and nihilism and predestination changed your view of humanity and that was the first question um and i guess it was maybe it wasn't that bad because comiXology decided to post that response on their instagram page but thankfully they they cut out the part where i asked the question um because lord knows the world did not need to hear my nasally voice um the second part of the question was for jock and i asked uh, who writes the most entertaining scripts Scott, Andy Diggle, and Jeff Lemire, which got a, a surprising number of laughs from the audience. Um, but it was it was sort of an awkward question because it's like, oh shit! It's like asking, you know, which kid is your favorite? Um, but according to Jock, it was it was ballsy enough that uh, they were willing to uh, to fork over the Amazon Fire. Um, but I guess it for about a day made me kind of infamous because after I walked out of the panel, there were a couple of people. Would also attend the panel um, that that made their way down to Artist Alley and were you know getting signatures and stuff and they were like oh my god you're the guy you're the guy that asked the question, which was very <laughs> embarrassing um, but uh, but but a little a little flattering I suppose I, I was I was con infamous for for about a day, uh, so so there was that um, but uh, don't but yeah, suppose no, you just, dropped the podcast name while you were up there gushing did you. I did not know. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was, I was going free this weekend. It was, uh, it was just me uh, taking it in. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't representing the network this week. Um, but, uh, but uh, no, it was, it was, it was still, uh, still a lot of fun, regardless. Um, and uh, I uh, got to, got to meet a lot of the, the creators that I'd, I'd longed to meet uh, that I didn't think I'd get a chance to, um, and had some, some really great conversations with. Uh, with some of the professionals, especially uh, Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, and Yannick Paquette, who I don't know if you guys know anything about Yannick. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's an yeah, artist, the, a contributor yeah, artist, very often. Yeah, artist on you know Swamp Thing and, uh, and Batman Incorporated most famously. But I, I had never like listened to the guy speak, um, so I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but we were just like, we went up to his booth, it was like me and this other guy, and we got there kind of early, and... Yannick showed up a little late, and um, like the dude was super animated. I think he's Slovenian, so I, I don't know if it's like an Eastern European thing. I don't want to stereotype, but like it, it was just he had a very animated way about him, and so we ended up talking to him for like twenty minutes, me and this other guy, and just like talking about the artistic process, and it was just really cool. Like that was definitely my favorite conversation, um, aside from the the Kelly and, and Lansing conversation because they were very sweet um, and they're best friends and I was there with my best friend. So we, we just talked about like what it's like to work with your best friend in comics. Um, and, and it was, it, that was, that was like the more wholesome one, the one with, 
with Yannick, I think, was like the more intellectual one where we were just talking about like composition and artistic structure and, you know, uh, what you can do in comics versus what you can do in film. And it, it was just, it was like really, really great. But I'd never heard Yannick speak before. So it was like, oh my God, I had no idea this guy was so, you know, like prolific. Um, and, uh, yeah, very animated. I don't know if you guys know the the philosopher Slavoj Žižek. I don't know if you've heard that name before, but Sounds he reminded familiar. me. Yeah, he reminded me a lot of Slavoj Žižek. He just like had this very animated, like outgoing way about him. So, um, if you ever get the chance to meet Yannick, um, tell him I said what's up. Um, and then finally, I guess just in terms of personal stuff um, from the con. All, to all the people who, you know, were doing signings and stuff and, and took the time out to, to personalize signatures, you guys are the absolute fucking best. Like, it was, it, was, it was always super heartening to see, you know, some artist who already has, like, a million commissions and you bring them your, your book or issue or whatever to sign. And they're like, yeah, I'll just take a brief 20-second, you know, sketch on your cover and, and do it and personalize it. And, like, no trouble at all. Like... I had um, I brought uh, a copy of Coffin Bound for Danny and Dan Waters to sign, and Danny grabs my copy and she's just like, "What's your name?" It's like, "Oh, cool. Here, let me just do a thirty-second sketch of the main character from the book inside your thing, and I'll personalize it and put all this extra shit on it." And I was just like, "I was like, dude, you didn't have to do that at all." But it it's it's always so heartwarming when when uh, you bring them their stuff and they're so appreciative of it that they're willing to to add some extra stuff and uh, most of them were like that like you know i got john hickman to do little sketches of some of the designs from east of west and nightly news and um i think my my favorite has to be um uh, josh williamson and dan waters who you know how like sometimes they'll they'll put like a little word bubble if they're if they're signing and like write something um something personalized or whatever and Dan Waters on my copy of Sword of Azrael put, because um, Azrael obviously says, you know, know that men call you betrayer or defiler or whatever. And on my cover, from now until the end of time, we'll say, know that men call you Brandon, which which put a smile on the, on this old so-and-so's face. And then Josh Williamson on my my copy of the Superman-Batman issue, where it's uh, Damien and, and Supergirl teeping up. I sent you guys a picture over on Discord, but for the, for the listeners... Um, there's a scene where Damien is like, doesn't want to team up with Kara at all. And he's like, I can do it all myself because I'm the son of Batman. And um, Josh was very nice about signing the copy um, and, uh, and, and talked about how much he loved that issue. Put on the cover in a word balloon, son of Batman and the little t, like the, the t thing that, that Damien does, which was, was, was very nice. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a great time to be there. Honestly, I think it's, it's probably one of the, best conventions i've been to and i've been very fortunate to to go to quite a few over the past decade um or so that i've I've been going to conventions but i think this was definitely like the the biggest craziest one of all um even if a lot of people were complaining about how disgusting the city has become Uh, but i didn't care i was just happy to be there um but that's that's how it was in the personal side of things over on the comics news side of things there was a lot of stuff that came out about uh, DC in specific, or specifically um, about some of their books coming up, um, and I, I figure why you know why beat around it? Why not just start with the biggest one of all? Certainly the one that I think got the most buzz, which was the Superman panel, um, and and you you kind of got the sense this is going to be like kind of me giving you a, a 
brief blow-by-blow of what happened. So, so listeners get the inside scoop of what it was actually like to sit in that crowded-ass uh, crowded panel room. Um, but you kind of got the sense right from walking in that it was going to be something special because Alex Segura, who was sort of moderating the whole thing, was like, all right, everyone pull out your phones because, like, all the big news is going to be here. Um, and, uh, and so we knew, we knew something, something was coming. Um, but it was, you know, it started off very, very normally, everyone kind of talking about, like, what did they love about Superman and what was their first introduction to it and all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, they sort of start transitioning to the, to the bigger news. They talked about uh, Superman Space Age and some of the upcoming stuff coming from that because Mark Russell was also there. And uh, Mark Russell was another person I never heard speak. So hearing his voice for the first time was kind of weird. Um, but he, he sounds like every other person from Portland, I guess. Um, it, it was just a little unnerving. I was like, oh, is that what you sound like? Okay, that's not what I envision, but uh, here we are. Um, but yeah, they talked about Space Age, some of the upcoming stuff there. Uh, they are going to be taking on the Anti-Monitor in the subsequent issues of, I believe, 3 and 4, or I think it might just be issue 3. I, I don't remember if it was a 3-issue or 4-issue series, but something like that. Um, but basically, it'll be playing out there, and that'll be coming out next year. Um, and then, I would say, arguably the biggest news of all, the one that um, I, I would love to send you guys the video, but fucking Discord won't let me send it because the file's too big. Um, but uh, certainly, I would say the one that got the, the biggest reaction, the biggest gasp reaction, was the announcement that uh, come this January, or February, I believe, uh, the Superman title, the main Superman title, will be relaunched with a new number one written by none other than Joshua Williamson with art from Jamal Campbell, um, who will be Super doing the dumb. first arc. The second arc will be done by Nick Dragota, which did not get a lot of applause but I was one of the ones who clapped, and I, I was a little bummed that people weren't more excited about that because Nick Dragota's fucking awesome, and seeing him do Superman is going to be, like, just incredible, um, even if I would prefer him to do more independent stuff. But <clears throat> I think this will be exciting nonetheless. The, uh, the first story of that arc uh, will focus on Lex Luthor, who will be in prison at the start of it, uh, as well as picking up some, some of the newer threads that are going on in Metropolis right now, they're introducing a new commissioner of the um, the Metropolis Police Department or something like that. Since Maggie Sawyer is obviously in Bloodhaven right now, uh, as well as a couple of other new characters. Um, so exciting stuff there. Um, I definitely could could feel the energy in the room where everyone was was pretty taken aback um, that uh, that Superman was going to be his next big title. So. Uh, hopefully there's some good stuff there. Um, over on the action comic side of things, that whole title is getting a complete shakeup uh, as it will now feature three stories instead of two, so it'll have two backups. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a price increase there. They didn't say anything, but I think you can kind of assume that's going to be the case. Um, I'm sorry, what book did you say that was? Action Comics. Yeah. Um, so right now, obviously, it has one backup. Now it'll have two backups. Uh, the first backup is going to be a story focusing on a young John Kent, um, just sort of a flashback to the uh, you know to the old farm days um, when when John Kent was was younger, which got really big applause. Um, like I know people have talked about you know everyone's kind of settled into John being Superman now, um, but I was I was shocked. Like Jurgens dropped the news. He's like, hey, you know, I'm teaming up with Lee Weeks again. 
and we're going to be doing more stories with a young John Kent, you know, set back in um, uh, back in the in the farm days, and everyone just like lit up. They went nuts. Like there was a ton of applause and like cheers, and I was like, oh my god, I didn't realize people were you know still that passionate about it. Um, so I, I guess the the fan base for for the younger John Kent and not the older John Kent is is still pretty strong at least if you can consider um, that you know that that uh, number of people within the panel as a representation of of the fan base um, but the second backup story uh, is going to be a Power Girl backup story which I think will be pretty cool written by Leah Williams with art from Marguerite Savage we've gotten a little bit of Power Girl here and there obviously with One Star Squadron but this will be cool seeing her more focused on uh, the super family. Um, but the main story, which will now feature art from Rafa Sandoval, is going to be the regular artist on the book, which is awesome, um, is, uh, is going to focus heavily on the super family. And one of the things that, uh, that Philip Kennedy Johnson stressed um, is that it's, it's really going to be focused on, like, the super family is the first family of Metropolis, um, with a, especially focusing on uh, the Irons family. So Natasha and John Henry is... They're going to be kind of like, you know, Metropolis royalty, which also got a lot of applause. I think people were very excited about that. Um, so, so this is also Action Comics? This is all in Action Comics. Um, so this so, is, uh, But this is what Joshua Williamson is writing, not Philip Kennedy Johnson? No, this is what Philip Kennedy Johnson is doing with Action Comics. Um, uh, oh, the, and then Williamson is doing the fucking relaunch. He's the, of Super- yeah, he's doing the, gotcha. the Superman book. Um, so, yeah, all the Super okay. Family stuff, that will be... With, I mean, he's still, you know, going to be writing Clark Kent in the book, but it's also going to focus on the the super family as well, which is also very cool. Um, and most importantly, Phil Kenny Johnson proudly announced that he will be remaining on Action Comics for the foreseeable future, as well as continuing to work on future DC projects that uh, can't be revealed as of yet. But I was I was very excited, as well as others, um, to hear that he's not leaving the book anytime soon. He will be continuing to write that presumably throughout 2023. So. That will be awesome, um, and uh, I, I can't wait to see what else he's got in store. Apparently, the, the next big story will be focusing on Metallo, and it's going to be showing Metallo in a way that we've never seen him before, as well as um, seeing more of the War Worldians adjust. Um, and then, and, and this one, Rob, I think is, is actually going to make you fucking shit your pants because you are going to feel like a prophet. You're going to feel like a psychic. Because one of the things that he flagged that got everyone, you know, like when you're in like a like an audience or something, and someone drops major news, and everyone's like, "Oh, what does it mean?" Um, one of the things that he teased was that we have not seen the last of Mongol. Because one of the things that he pointed out in War World Apocalypse, and everyone in the audience um, conveniently got free copies of War World Apocalypse, but one of the things that he pointed out was that. Krill Ux, after he left, took Mongol's body. He didn't leave it on Warworld. He took it. And we don't know what he did with that. So one of the things that he teased was that while we may have gotten to the end of the Warworld saga, we're not necessarily done with the Mongol saga yet. Which go And, and my brain lit up. I was like, oh my god, Rob is a genius. Because one of the <laughs> things that he said was like, yes, we saw this huge, you know, Warworld's apocalypse saga... But this could be like, you know, like World War Hulk, where it's only just building up to something even bigger. Um, and I think that's what he's implying, that, that we're, only, we're only, for as crazy as that story was, we're only getting to the, to the beginning of the madness, if you can believe it. So I was like, oh my God, he was right. 
there is something crazier coming. Um, so, so I don't know oh, if shit. that makes you feel validated or anything, but I was thinking of you uh, when he said that. I, I just feel excited. Yeah, so so That's you were awesome. right. You were right on the money, man. Um, there's there's apparently bigger stuff to come, uh, with with Mongol and and future stuff down the line. That's good to hear. Yeah, um, yeah and then I'm I guess happy he's gonna be in the book for a long time. Coming. Oh yeah, no, me too. And and I mean, people were like, when he was like, yeah, no, I'm not leaving Action Comics, and everyone was like, yeah, awesome, and clapping and stuff. So it was it was great. Um, and and just as a side note. Uh, Philip Kenny Johnson is the sweetest man in the world um, and, and deserves like a mile long uh, line in front of his booth. Every time I went over there and it was a couple times, it was you'd have a couple people milling about, but it was never substantial. And it, it, it broke my heart because on the other side of the artist alley, you have the Scott Snyder booth, which was like just continuously packed. Like you could never get there without having a giant ass line. And it was like, guys, like. Go over, go over there. Like this guy just did an amazing, you know, action comics run. Like you should be lining up. Like he's as a, you know, a giant audience. Um, but I, I think it's coming. I think, I think within two years he'll have a, he'll have a serious audience uh, once he starts writing Justice League. But um, no, he's he's the sweetest man in the world. Was was not uh, not shy of of talking about, you know, his his future stuff for Superman and and just uh, how appreciative he was of. You know, people who were picking up his books and, and all that stuff. So just a very, very kind guy. And I, I feel like if we were to time it right, we could definitely get him on the show for an interview because he seems what, very open to that sort of stuff. When he starts writing Justice League, is this is this wishful thinking or was that actually mentioned? No, no, no that was wishful thinking. But, uh, okay. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he said future DC projects that have yet to be announced, which could mean anything. But in my heart of hearts, I like to think that it's Justice League. Um but yeah, in my yeah. heart of hearts, the only good news that you said was that he was going to remain on Action Comics. I don't see them increasing the page count on the Action Comics, which means to me that the main story is going to have fewer pages. Um, uh, no, it's I not. So they did, they did talk. Out. No, it's so they they actually talk. The main story size is not going to change. Uh, that will be the same. It's just they're they're essentially adding on an extra one, which is why I think. There's probably going to be a price increase, but again, they didn't say anything about that, presumably because they didn't want to make everyone pissed. Um, but I imagine that will be coming later. Yeah, no, that that'll get people real excited when they hear that the price is going from four ninety nine to five ninety nine. That'll get tons yeah, of applause I mean, and cheers. Um, but the main story will not be affected. He he clarified that. Um, so super super cool stuff there. Um, and uh, I, I think of course the the biggest. Um, you know, exciting news about the format change was that Dan Jurgens would be doing the young John Kent stories um, since, you know, people really wanted to see that. But on the subject of John it's Kent, crazy. to kind of to kind of cap off the Superman panel, um, they announced to surprisingly, like, no noise um, that the sun... And, and I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not adding any personal bias. I literally went back and rewatched the footage that I had um, where these announcements were coming through. So this this has nothing to do with me. Um, but they announced that Superman, Son of Kal-El, and I kind of saw this was coming, um, that that would be ending after issue 18. But they had a, a video from Tom Taylor, since he couldn't make it to New York, uh, live from Melbourne, Australia, um, that awkwardly couldn't play at first. So they kind of had to fumble with the, the presentation before they finally got it rolling, um, in which he revealed that, yes, the series 
would be coming to an end, but they will be following that up with a six-issue Adventures of Superman series um, that he will be writing with art from Clayton Henry. The story will see John face off against Ultraman, um, which he will do alongside Val Zod, the new 52 Superman of, of Earth 2, um, which also got, I think, some some applause. Um but I, I don't know. I couldn't. I was trying to read the room because um, I was I was standing in the back a little bit during the first part of it, and then a couple people left, and I was able to sit down. Um, and I and I I I, I want to say people were excited when they announced that it would be against Ultraman and teaming up against Valzad. It seemed like there was some dumb. some energy there, but um, I don't know. Like. I, I, sometimes I have a hard time reading people and reading the room, so it seemed like there was some excitement, but it also seemed a little like kind of, kind of lackluster, and 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 I don't know if this just speaks more to people's desire to see the young John Kent return, because when we left the panel room, there was there's obviously chatter, everyone talking amongst their friends, and and I overheard a couple people who were just like, yo, do you think you know? Once he faces off against Ultraman, he's going to, like, turn back time and be, like, the young John again. And there were a couple people who were kind of talking like that. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to gauge the situation because obviously I can't speak for the entire comics community as a whole. But at least for the, the microcosm of the fandom, the, you know, 50 or 60 of us that were in that room, it seemed like people were more excited about the young John than the continuing adventures of the adult Superman uh, John. So I, I don't know. I, I Maybe I was reading too much into it or, or not enough. I'm not really sure. But it seemed like that announcement got a little bit more of, of, of a lukewarm reaction um, than I would have expected um, from, you know, the, the announcement. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was that was pretty much how they, they capped off the uh, the big blockbuster Superman panel um, I didn't get to make the Gotham City panel because I had to go to the Frank Miller one uh, at the same time, and that one was much more entertaining uh, from the way I hear it. Because apparently the Gotham City one was kind of dull. Um, but I, I did get to go to the Jim Lee and Friends panel, which was just sort of like a recap of some of the stuff coming up. Some very exciting stuff from the world of Milestone in particular. Uh, they talked about the Shadows of Dakota book that's coming out soon, the Static sequel, and showed off some art, which looks awesome. Um, they have the, I think it was announced, I mean, I don't remember hearing about it anywhere else, but the Milestone 30th Anniversary Special, which will feature stories from Chuck Brown, Stephanie Williams, and uh, Nicholas Draper-Ivy, as well as some others. Um, it's going to have art from Dennis Callen, also from Nicholas Draper-Ivy, uh, and some, some newcomers as well. And is also going to feature, they talked about the Milestone Initiative and how they were bringing in like a ton of you know new diverse voices and that got a lot of applause um, which was really really nice to hear and they talked about how this anniversary special is going to be you know some of their their first work like ever in comics um, and so that was really nice to hear they're bringing in a lot of new young diverse voices um, that will get to have their their debut on the world stage and, and in no better place than in the milestone universe um, and then they also talked about the upcoming hardware versus icon book which I, I also think hadn't been announced elsewhere um and forgive me i i i didn't take a picture of the the cover that had the creative team but if i'm remembering correctly i think it was reggie hudlin and leon chills with art from it might have been dennis cowan or crisscross i i don't remember exactly um but 
I'm sure you can find it online somewhere. Those are the but, only yeah. people that should be accepted on that board. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was like it was like someone like that. Although personally, I was hoping that they would get Brandon Thomas to do it since he did such a great job on Hardware Season One. But you know, it is what it is. So um, look forward to that. And then I think the one that some of the sites didn't pick up, but um, honestly, I, I found to be pretty pretty earth shattering. Um, which was that um, all of this milestone stuff is you know still cooking and still going strong, but one of the things that Jim Lee kind of highlighted was that in the past they've had some really great crossovers with the may, uh, mainstream you know DC universe, and obviously it would be disingenuous to not do that with the current milestone stuff, and that got you know the 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 hushed like uh, the hushed whispers and like oh what could it mean so. Wait, I would say did, stay tuned. Did you say Wildstorm or Milestone? Oh, sorry, Milestone. Well, actually, Milestone and Wildstorm, because that's also um, going to have some, some crossovers coming soon. I think you we said heard mild, that Milestorm. Milestone oh, was supposed to remain completely independent of DC. Yeah, and I mean, well, we a lot of these, these stories, well, a lot of these stories are going to be, you know, contained in their own universe. But I, I think you can kind of expect that. There's going to be some kind of crossover here or there. Like it, it's only natural, and and honestly, I'm I'm cool with that. Like some of my favorite Teen Titan stuff was when, you know, Static was was joining the team, or um, they had that that JLA story where they team up with Shadow Cabinet. So like, I'm not I'm not against that. Honestly, like yes, they can still shine on their own, but there's not there's no harm in having them crossover. It's it's about the same as having the Wildstorm universe crossover, um, since that was pretty independent for a while. Um, so I, I think, I, I hope that it will be treated well, um, but, uh, we, we shall see, but I would say stay tuned for that, um, since they, they said that will ultimately be coming later on down the line, um, in, uh, in 2023, I believe around the fall or so. Um, and then I guess the, the last bit of news, even though I didn't get to, to make the Gotham city panel, I did catch some of the highlights, and really it seemed like the, the biggest news that was coming out of that was that there's going to be some kind of like Harley Quinn versus the DC Universe story or something like that um, that Frank Thierry will be writing. Um, and, uh, oh crap, I, I almost missed the, the biggest one. I'm so sorry. Uh, I think it was just because I, I also didn't make that panel. Um, but uh, con continuing the, the Harley Quinn story... Um, that will be, I think, just like a spoof on the, like, you know, the, the Deadpool or Punisher kills yep. the Marvel Universe, like yeah. those types of stories. They're doing like the DC version of that, essentially, but with Harley Quinn. So that'll be coming out at some point in 2023. I'm sure Harley Quinn fans will appreciate that. But the big one that I, that I almost completely forgot um, was the, the first, you know, big kind of crossover that'll be coming out of... Uh, out of out of 2023 the start of the new year which is the mark wade showrun event called lazarus planet that will be spinning out of batman versus robin and we'll get into more discussion about that book uh later on in the show um but that was that was definitely some of the uh, some of the bigger news that they kind of dropped a little early they'd been teasing it but they officially announced it at the thursday panel um at, uh, at new york comic-con which is uh basically uh gonna be a like a I think like an eight part or 10 part or something like that event um, that's going to feature a multitude of, uh, of different characters as well as writers and artists that are all going to be 
detailing what's going on with the, the Lazarus story. And apparently this is, this is spinning out of the ending of Batman versus Robin, or Robin versus Batman uh, number four, which obviously we don't have yet, but we sort of know that at some point the um, a Lazarus volcano will erupt and will change the status quo of things um, and will exact some kind of changes on various characters throughout the uh, throughout the DC universe. Um, like a what dead on the Justice will... League and, and Pariah and the young kids and... What's up? Oh, my God. Wait, sorry, Mongo. I missed the there, There's no that. such thing that changes in the DC universe. Oh, I, I just mean temporarily, not permanently, obviously. Yeah. Cha- change in any in any uh any major superhero comics is, is pretty much impossible but uh this is this is i think i think appears to be mostly a, a self-contained thing from what i can see right now although it could have bigger ramifications down the line um but this is uh basically if, if anyone read the um the inhumanity event from like 2014 or 2015 after infinity which is basically like the, the terrigen cloud um, that uh, that was roaming around New York City, following or, or really the the entire world, I guess. But um, specifically, New York City, I think, was the focus um, after the events of Infinity, where it was changing people into Inhumans. This is kind of like that, um, where you'll have the effects of this Lazarus volcano explosion, changing some of the characters and possibly introducing new characters in strange and uh, bizarre ways. But that will be pretty much like the first week after um after december you know right after the end of, of dark crisis so I, I joke they're not giving us any goddamn time to recover from the end of that um before launching straight into the next one so um i i, I hope it is entertaining in some ways and not at all exhausting um because i'm already uh, exhausted and i am contemplating quitting reading dc comics <laughs> from for lazarus planet no, for the entire these for the entire panel that you announced to me. Really? Yeah, turning turning John into a kid—that's dumb as fuck. Well, that's, um, that's not bringing Mongo back like, so uh, fast. That's that's dumb as yeah, shit. That's a, that's bringing Mongo back. Well, okay, but you're still getting backstories of of focusing on John, while we're just gonna get a mini of him as an adult doing something. He really doesn't need to be doing because why are we fucking bringing Mongol back? Um, there's uh, action comics is going to increase in page count, so that is going to increase in price. I mean, I I highly doubt they're not going to do that. Maybe maybe they'll could be, be kind wrong. to us. Yeah, maybe they'll be kind but to us. Not like... neither one of those backups <laughs> sound yeah. interesting at all. I just it, a, a, a spin out of uh, anyway. I'm I'm. I'm I'm seriously seriously disappointed. Uh, well, I, I'm I, sorry I to hear found that. No good news from all the news you just said. I I understand that I'm alone as I usually am in the DC Comics sphere of fans, but all of that is just very very bad news to me. Well, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but uh, I don't know. For me, at least, a lot of this stuff was. Uh, was pretty exciting um, and, and definitely definitely fun to actually get to, to be there where they're, where they're breaking all the stuff down instead of just catching it on a recap or something. So, um, yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, I don't believe I've, uh, I've missed 
anything else. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, that was uh, that was New York Comic Con. It was loud. It was crazy, as as to be expected. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, going again next year. Hopefully, uh, this year or next year, it will be a little bit nicer, so people will stop complaining about how gross New York City is. Um, but aside from that. Um, no, it was, it was a lot of fun and, uh, and I was, I was really glad to go and it's always cool cause I, I get to go with one of my best friends in the world. Um, and, uh, we just go around and get into mayhem and, and just bullshit about random stuff for, for hours on end while, uh, while making our way around the, uh, the various convention floors. Um, so no, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty great. Nice to see a lot of the announcements, interested to see what's coming in the future. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh. That's about it for me. Very nice. Yeah, you know, New York Comic Con. If if uh, you pay attention to those articles and you're looking for a new host city, I think Toronto is available. <laughs> well, don't they have a, a Toronto Comic Con or something they, like that? They have Toronto Comic Con, but it's it's uh-huh. pretty small scale and it's overshadowed by Fan Expo, which oh, really yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. have that many. The whole thing to fame of Fan Expo is there's so much to do, but there's not yeah. much in the way of panels. And Toronto Comic Con really doesn't have much in comparison. Yeah, yeah I, I went to Fan Expo Boston one year. I think the all I think all the Fan Expos are like that, where it's it's definitely more on like what you can do on you know, on on the exhibition hall or, or meeting with, with yeah. certain artists or creators, but it's yeah, it's not usually quite so robust in the way of like announcements and panels and stuff yeah um it yeah. used to be i remember mm-hmm. going to dc and marvel panels back like 10 12 years ago at fan expo mm-hmm. but they stopped doing it well you said you went to like a dan Dio panel once right yeah i think that was the last time that mm-hmm. might have been the last dc panel i went to i yeah. don't know if it was the last yeah. dc panel they did yeah oh yeah, my he hosted god it. So... there were a few creators there i don't remember what creators mm-hmm. were there at the time but he was hosting it yeah, I, I, I forget if yeah, I forget if you had said it or someone else, but oh my god, that man is like, I mean, policies aside, um, you know, it, it, things that I may disagree with, but he's just like he's so charismatic and so entertaining. Yeah. Um, like he's it's good it's on the mic. it's he like really infectious. Um, so I so I went to two of the because he's doing the Frank Miller Presents stuff now, and I went to, to two of the panels they had on Friday and Sunday. Um, and every time I was there, like, you know, I would be a little bit tired or something because it was, it was, you know, a little bit later in the afternoon. So I was, I was definitely starting to feel, uh, definitely starting to feel the weight of the day at that point. Um, but like every time I would get there, it was just like, just bring the energy up in the room and like could really just, just make people feel excited. Um, yeah. And uh, Did you, you know, have I, the four I, day pass? Uh, no, I wasn't there on Thursday, but I was there Friday, Saturday and Sunday, which was it's like exhausting. Oh my god! Yeah, that <laughs> um, was. I like. I got to Sunday and I was like, I'm just oh, curious how much it costs to go. Uh, uh, so bad. Um, where it's just like in pain <laughs> and like, I. It's it's been probably what three four days since it ended and like my shoulders still feel jacked up because I was just oh, yeah. walking around with this big ass backpack full of books that I wanted to get signed. <laughs> Um, just like running from, yeah, running from like room to room, like, oh, I got to get here. I got to get here. And like, I got to Sunday. I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stop. I was just like, I can't, I can't go on. And we, we had to go back to my buddy's apartment, um, 
to, to just kind of like collect our stuff and, and um, just rest for a little bit. And I was like, dude, I got I got I need like an hour and a half. Like, I can't I can't I can't keep walking. Um, and it was oh, yeah, I was I was so glad. Like, I love I love going. Honestly, I do. But if there's one thing that's just painful, it's it's the walking. Um, it, it, it'll just it'll kill you. And I'm, I'm very grateful to, to be young and, and full of life because um, I, I truly do feel for some of the older gentlemen in the crowd that were just like waiting in line for so long because, oh my God, I can't imagine how tired they must have been. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was just a lot. It was, it was definitely a lot, but uh, a lot of fun, I will say. So yeah, that's, uh, that's about it for me, as I said. Crazy weekend, but uh, crazy good time. What did the tickets cost for that thing? Whew. Um, well, uh, I believe the average price is about, I want to say, 67 or so. Um, so like per day, you mean? Yeah, per day. Um, so, you know, add that up. If you're talking a three-day pass, roughly, what, like, um, you know, 180 or so, and Thankfully, I most of the most of the money that I that I am you know making with with my job and stuff um, I usually just put aside and save and then I have an extra little kind of corner that I, I use to, to pay for books every week for, for the comics and stuff and then I, I well I don't want to talk about budgeting and everything but suffice no, it to not say budgeting. I was just curious curious what the yeah suffice were. it to say um, yeah it's 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 definitely cheaper than like a concert ticket or something. Um, but um, you, you have to be very practical with when you get your tickets because they will sell out um, very quickly, as I, oh, yeah. as I learned <laughs> uh, very tragically with, uh, with those, those Thursday tickets um, because they, they just went like hotcakes. People were literally just like, I think people use like computers or bots or something to buy a bunch of tickets like super fast. And I don't oh, have yeah. the fucking, I don't have the tech savvy to do that. So like. I can't, yeah, I, I, I can't, I, I, I can't figure out how that works or whatever. But um, if I was smart enough to program that stuff, I would probably do it too. But honestly, that's that's probably why they sell out so fast. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you got you got to be quick about it. You got to be quick and smart about it. Um, but if if it if it were out of state, it would probably be harder to, to get to New York uh, to, to New York Comic Con. But uh, Thankfully, where I'm where I'm going to school is is in New York, so it's just a four hour drive, which is a uh, a small price to pay um, for uh, for for such a fun and crazy weekend. But uh, I feel like I've been talking for a very long time, um, so I feel like we should probably talk about something else. <laughs> Let's talk about some honorable mentions yeah. then. We have a couple. Urban Legends number twenty. This has my favorite art of the week, and the stories were. We're, we're pretty decent, too. Um, Jurassic League 6, you'll have to ask my co-hosts. They like it. I think I'm way over dinosaurs, and that might be Chris Pratt's fault. <laughs> Future State Gotham 18. Um, maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I was tired when I read it, but something felt off with that issue and more than just the art. I don't know. I'm. I'm. It's the last. Uh, this one and the two before it have kind of slowly. I've been losing interest in it rapidly. Um, Flash, fastest man alive, number two. The movie tie-in. Uh, I could give about. I I care about as much as this comic as I do about the fucking movie. Um, I guess read it if you are obsessed and really into the Flash 
movie that's coming up and you have excessive disposable income, but it's seriously skippable. Uh, DC Terrors Through Time. Uh, great talent, anthology book. Uh, like Urban Legends, the art is really good and I really enjoyed the stories too. It's a fun read, especially for the holiday season. Pick it up. You can have fun with it. Um, and this comes from somebody who, generally speaking, cannot stand anthology books, let alone the seasonal ones, who are almost, which are almost always terrible. Um, but that that's all the honorable mentions I got. And I suppose with that, we should just move on over to the spotlight, huh? Let's do it. Yeah. Starting off with a brand new number one, a return of an old favorite. Batman Incorporated number one. This one is brought to us by Mr. Ed Brisson, who surprisingly still remembered our uh, our interview from uh, from a couple of months ago when I got to see him uh, at, uh, briefly, very briefly at NYCC. It was very very kind and Canadian about it. Um, with art from John Timms, colors from Rex Locus, and letters from Clayton Cowles. In far-off Dublin, someone has murdered Tommy Tavane, and the Batman Inc. crew is on the case. While they've been trying to investigate Lex Luthor's secret Batman experiments across the world with little luck there, someone has been murdering the old mentors of Bruce Wayne and Ghostmaker. So the various teams of Batman Inc. decide to investigate just who may be behind the murders. With such cryptic clues being left at the scene of the murders like the student has become the master and no more teachers, we and Batman Inc., can infer that whoever is behind this is likely a disgruntled student out for revenge. Back in Dublin, some of the Batman Inc. crew discover that the murderer used some kind of sword, while in Japan, Ghostmaker walks into a deadly T.A.T. with an old flame called Sky Spider. Uh, solid start to a murder mystery story. Who doesn't love those? Uh, this is not quite as bombastic, or at least this story, I imagine, is not going to be quite as bombastic as the Leviathan story, that we got in the previous Batman Inc. with Talia and all that that uh, craziness. Um, but I'll give the story a chance nonetheless. It, it definitely seems to be as international as the last one, but a little bit smaller in terms of story scope. Um, art is decent, um, but uh, nothing crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, a solid start all around. So I gave this one an 8 out of 10. is a damn good first issue some great character work really good artwork a lot of fun and a really good mystery going on so far that i honestly of all the things that i could have thought coming in this book i did not see that coming uh, some mystery character who knows who it is i love that i've said that before this is good nine out of ten awesome awesome also just just a, a, a final point such an awesome variant cover from Jorge Molina. I don't know if you guys saw that, but it is just gorgeous. No. Oh, man. It's, uh, like, a, it's um, like a double-page spread of the entire Batman Inc. team. It is, oh, it's just incredible. It's been my screensaver for like the past month. Cool. Um, the characters are good. The art looks good. There's several team members I would send to the Get a New Costume store. Um, almost all of them? No, correction. Everybody but Ghostmaker needs to go back to the costume store. Um, but uh, the art is really you good. Bite your tongue. Wingman and El Gaucho have great costumes. They do not. 
Oh, and Heroes um, is great. Yeah, once you get a new name, it'll be perfect. Too. But uh, the art is itself is great, regardless of what it is that it's drawing. And it's a mystery. I mean, I've wanted a Batman book with a mystery story in it for as long as I've been. I've been saying it for as long as I've been doing this podcast and longer. We finally got one. And um, we keep on referring to a singular bad guy here, but we do have four instances of things going on, things going awry, and they're all semi-related, all of these teams being pulled into these different directions. So I can't help but wonder if there's not four villains that we're looking at here rather than one. We got the shadowy figure at the Suriname Nature Reserve, the sword with the red hilt at Dublin that made them go, oh no. Uh, Ghost Maker's old flame sky spider in China and in Russia there's Avery. Um, so we could be looking at four different bad guys here. In any Very case, well could uh, it's could good a, a voices, good pacing. Incorporated. Right? Um, Good voices, good pacing. Batman Incorporated could be a fantastic book. It's way too early to tell. But if Deathstroke was any indication, Ed Brisson is just a fucking storytelling machine. And I am looking forward to more. It was a hell of a fun time for a setup issue. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I do give it an 8 out of 10. Very nice. Excellent storyteller and a very nice guy. Let's see. All right. What do we have next? Dark Crisis World Without a Justice League? That is correct. So I'm going to pass it over to Rob to uh, give us the details. Gladly. 680. 680? (laughs) There just seems to be a lot of these Dark Crisis books. No. <laughs> yeah, so this is the Green Arrow Worlds Without a Justice League tie-in. Uh, so the first part is written by Stephanie Williams with art from Clayton Henry, colors from Marcella Maiolo, and letters from Troy Pateri. Uh, so very easily we're kind of transported into a Robin Hood-esque world, which is very fitting for Oliver Queen and his band of mm. merry men and women, which include Roy Harper, Mia Dearden, and Connor Hawk themselves, uh, they are taking on the band of, uh, I don't know if you call them, not really rogues, enforcers of royalty, uh, led by none other than Malcolm Merlin. Uh, they make quick work of the villains. Malcolm escapes, you mean all the gives chase. the sheriff of Nottingham? Uh, yes, or... Uh, if we're, if sh- we're really... Sh- the sheriff of Starringham. Oh, God. Uh, no, that was, yeah. uh, that's a little too Muppets for me. I don't know. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. Waka, waka, okay. waka. Waka, yeah. waka. If we're, if we're really oh, leaning into the okay. Robin Hood stuff. Yeah, this this bit's down, going downhill very fast. So I'm going mm-hmm. <laughs> to just power through. <laughs> so all because we're men. Chase. We're manly men. In tights. Oh, my tights. God. Tights. <laughs> You've seen Robin Hood men in tights? Oh, everybody hell has seen Robin seen? Hood yes. Men in Tights. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, yes. I love that DVD. <laughs> I was I was waiting for the moment when Oliver would like just like stop and start dancing. Start that would have that would have made my day, but uh, that would have been fantastic. Be. Oh man, now now I 
wish there was like an older like Green Arrow movie and Carrie oh Elwes was just oh, like man, played Oliver Queen. Excellent. That would have been amazing. Just combine like his Robin Hood and his uh, Wesley from Princess mm. Bride, and you have the perfect Oliver Queen. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Malcolm Merlin is escaping, and we see a hooded figure who appears to be a bard of some sort, kind of narrating the adventure, giving this more of a fairy tale feel. Uh, Malcolm escapes into the woods, and Oliver gives chase, saying, Hey, this is my turf. You're kind of screwed now, boy. Uh, but he gets lost and is found by none other than a yellow canary, uh, which twees at him and then flies off. So Oliver, for some reason, chases the bird uh, and ends up through this foggy area. And on the other side of the fog is a city that he does not recognize and makes no sense because he is from centuries prior to the time that cities with buildings were born. Uh, so he crosses over looks around, sees himself in the reflection of a window, uh, but is then uh, quickly attacked by a hooded woman who reveals herself to be none other than Black Canary. They do not know each other, but they both seem familiar to each other, and after a brief tussle, uh, they kind of just stop for a second after staring into each other's eyes and then uh, go off together trying to figure out what's going on before they get too far into their discussion and exploring the city. Uh, a shirtless figure climbs out of the ground and uh, starts to follow them. They head back to uh, Dinah Lance's club, the Canary Club, that she owns. And while they're talking over drinks and getting to know each other right before they have a big romantic moment, the club explodes. Uh, um, probably everybody's dead. Uh, but it is the shirtless figure that crawled out of the ground. It is none other than Oliver Queen looking like Arthur Curry. And it is apparently a version of Oliver Queen that did not leave the island years prior. So he's very feral and very uh, Tarzan-like. So the two Olivers fight. Canary gets in the way, screams at him, sends him flying, but the Olivers get back in the fight, start fighting each other. Black Canary fights, more fighting, and just before... Uh, Tarzan Oliver is about to stab Good Oliver. Black Canary picks up a bow and arrow, shoots him with an exploding arrow, and they take off and share a romantic kiss while everything burns around them. Because that's what romance is all about. <laughs> Meanwhile, the bard is there. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's a musical episode now, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I was singing uh, No Diggity before the episode started getting recorded. I think Brandon <laughs> had to listen to it. I, I heard nothing, so I, I have no idea what you sounded like. That's, that's okay. it's good. Well, it uh, sounded about as good as my Rihanna impression, if that tells uh, you anything. But anyway. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have a reprisal at the end of the episode. <laughs> we'll have the ensemble come out and reprise. Uh, so at the, just as the two share their final kiss, the bard reappears and reveals himself to be another Oliver Queen. Apparently this world is full of them, oddly enough. Uh, we now get into our backup, which is supposed to be the Black Canary backup, but we'll get into why that's confusing in a second. This one is written by Dennis Culver with art from Nick Varela, colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr., and let letters also from Troy Pateri. Uh, so we open up on two worlds, 
Earth Black Canary Point 1 and Earth Green Arrow Point 1, two very different worlds, but both taking place similarly in Batman Beyond-type futures. Black Canary is part of the Birds of Prey, led by Barbara Gordon and Oracle, the computer system, not the person. And Green Arrow is uh, the head of an organization that uh, owns, uh, basically runs a lot of tech, and his Green Arrow suit is very advanced in its technology. Even the arrows are energy-based, and he has his friend Diggle with him. But both characters have been having dreams of each other over the years. Uh, so Oliver on Green Arrow Point One Earth builds a rocket ship conveniently shaped like an arrow to teleport him between worlds to find this mystery woman that he keeps dreaming about. Meanwhile, Black Canary uh, wakes up a little late after having another dream about this mysterious green man that she keeps seeing and is on her way to a crime scene that Oracle has told her about. Uh, she ends up at the crime scene, but it is none other than Barbara Gordon there to kind of give her an intervention about uh, all these dreams she's been having and how they are leading to an apocalypse-level event. And just as she uh, kind of fights against Barbara and Oracle and says, there's nothing wrong here, you do not need to arrest me, she fights out, uh, crashes through a window while she gets shot at by um, other police, and she's getting chased after by Barbara, just as the Green Arrow rocket... Uh, goes through a portal between worlds and arrives to Black Canary. They recognize each other at the same time. Uh, she screams. He says, I'll always find you, pretty bird. And then the two worlds begin to break apart. Pariah finds Green Arrow and Black Canary floating in space. Their worlds are now dead. Um, Pariah makes the realization that the reason their two worlds cannot coexist separately is because... Green Arrow and Black Canary have a bigger connection than any of the other Justice Leaguers. Uh, therefore, he must sever that connection. Maybe, since Oliver Queen was killed by Doomsday, he'll just let him die. And Black Canary says, no, you know, we'll always find a way to be together no matter what. There's got to be another way. So Pariah decides to bring them together in one world. And that brings us to the world we saw at the beginning of this issue with the cloud in the middle, and the city on one end, forest on the other. That's one big happy circle. We go back at the end of the issue to see them embracing in that final kiss. Sans Bard Oliver. God, I miss Ollie leading a book. I really do. I wish <laughs> there was a Green Arrow ongoing. This honestly makes me want it so much more. Um, mm. Of all the tie-ins so far, this might be my favorite. It had a, I like that the, the backup and the main story had a much bigger connection, and while they kind of said that you know one part was supposed to be Green Arrow-centric and the other part was supposed to be Black Canary-centric, it really wasn't. It was one big story. I like that. And it brought more to the, the Worlds Without a Justice League part of Dark Crisis in a way that stays true to the characters, um, more so than any of the other tie-ins did so far. And again, great fucking worlds. I hope we get to see them again. 8.5 out of 10. Art was fantastic. Story was really good. I just really want another Green Arrow book, man. Yes. yes. Heavily echo that, uh, that last point. It's been too long. It's been three years, right? Yeah. Was that last one? I think 20... 2018. Was it 2018 or 2019? Oh, God. It's one, I don't even one know. of those two, I think. I want to say it was 2019, but uh, I, will, I will double check that. Um, 
But yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. It's just great to have, you know, green, green arrow focused story again, or it will be nice to have one um, again. Um, for this story, at least, um, I, I have been a lot more positive on some of these Dark Crisis, Worlds Without a Justice League tie-ins than I thought I would be. Um, this one, I will say, is good, um, fun, but I, I don't know. It was, it was a little... I felt like I needed something more. I kind of wanted something more out of it. Like, I don't know what necessarily it was, so don't, don't ask me to elaborate on what that exactly means. Um, but I, I feel like it was just kind of missing something, and I can't, I can't really put my finger on it uh, at the moment. Um, but uh, aside from that, you know, decent fun and uh, definitely an enjoyable concept. It's always nice seeing the, uh, the parallels between Ollie and Robin Hood. And they, this, this one, they really ran with it, which was, which was a lot of fun. Um, I don't entirely understand the ending and, and what that was meant to be. I, I know that in the backup they kind of talked about all the different versions of Ollie and Dinah that kept fracturing, so I assume this is one of those that somehow survived, but I don't really understand how that's possible if these worlds kept exploding, so I, I don't really know what that was meant to be. And it was, it was what, a you, little... you mean the, the last page? Yeah, the one where we see like the old bard Ollie. Oh, so yeah, I don't really yeah. understand what was because I, I was when when they when they like like when they show like that that spread of like all the different versions that uh, Pariah has made. You see that yeah. uh, that version in them, but I'm I'm just like, how does he still exist? Like, shouldn't he have yeah. exploded with the rest of them? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> stupid video game humor. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Um, <laughs> I'm like 12 years old again. Um, but, but aside from that, it was, you know, it was fun enough. Um, so I, I gave this one a 7.75. Some weird things that I didn't understand aside, it was, it was enjoyable. Um, yeah. As for the backup, I think that one was probably the tighter one. Um, and I think we all kind of knew, like, oh, yeah, Dinah's going to make some kind of secret deal with, the, with Pariah. Um, but, you know, what is, that, what is that ultimately going to mean? And I kind of expected it was going to be like, like they they were definitely playing it up. It wasn't really going to be that serious. And once we actually got it, I I, I was like, yeah, I, I'm kind of right in that regard. Like, it's it's not like something that's going to have major ram, or maybe it will. I don't know. But at, at least for me, I didn't get the sense that it's going to have like some major ramifications down the line. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, I made a deal to preserve Ollie's life, and you know that's it. But it's not like I sacrificed my soul or something. Um, so. I wasn't disappointed. I was kind of expecting that that sort of uh, lukewarm reveal. Um, so the backup got a seven. I'd say the whole book probably got like a seven point five. So not bad at all, um, but uh, definitely could have been a little bit more. Um, probably one of the the weaker of the uh, the Dark Crisis worlds without a Justice League times we've had so far, at least for me. The first part had good art. It was an okay story, and it was kind of cool seeing all of the archers together. But the whole fucking thing was predictable, especially putting Ollie as Robin of Loxley. And I'm also not sure why there were 380 different Olivers with one pretending to be Raven, but it was okay, I guess? Um, second part, seriously, the ugly, ugliest fucking version of Doomsday I've ever seen outside of Batman vs. Superman. Other than that, the second part was boring and convoluted at the same time, which confuses me, and that's not good. Again, the art was okay, but the second part, the art was 
not my cup of tea. Um, I would love to see a monthly Green Arrow book. This one made me doubt that for a minute. Six out of ten. Fair enough. I will say as a final point, it was very exciting to see Mia Dearden again. I can't even remember the last time we've seen Mia Dearden. Um, as a as a partner of Ollie is you know one of one of the Arrow family, so my hope is that this is something that uh, they'll kind of translate um, into into the upcoming Green Arrow stuff because I know they've been teasing it a lot because um, Mia was was always a cool character, um, and I hope they they can find a way to incorporate her back into the Arrow family properly with uh, the books moving forward. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll bring back Kevin Smith to write Green Arrow. I know you wouldn't, but <laughs> just I'm just I'm having fun imagining that. That would be interesting. I, I would read although, the fuck although, out of it. Uh, according to you, seem care about the characters. Yeah, according to I, I don't know. I don't watch He Man. I never did. That's it's something that has wrong with no you. interest to in me. Well, it's just it was before my time, so I never I never had any interest there. But um, I, apparently. There's some drama there or something, so maybe Green Arrow's off the table. Maybe his his writing skills are being called into question. I don't know. It's no, it's I, I don't because even know he exactly made Tila what the Gay. story is. Oh, okay. I don't even know who that, that is. That's so why. I can't. I, it's not like I can have any perspective. Uh, it's really just a lot of uh, OG He-Man fans saying, "This uh, ain't my He-Man." Bunch of I, fucking I idiots. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't know enough about He-Man to have any kind of opinion. I mean, it's the uh, same thing as any kind of other comic book character. Somebody comes yeah. in and wants to make sure that nothing ever fucking changes. Yeah. Which is, admittedly, how we got DC Comics in the shape that it is today, where nothing is ever going to matter. Oh my god. There, there's no well, ramifications, see- there's no consequences to any story arc anymore. <laughs> I and then they her. take the biggest, they take the biggest character, they take the biggest character in DC, Superman, and they gave it to Joshua fucking Williamson, who has completely flubbed Infinite Frontier, completely flubbed Dark Crisis. All of this has been complete shit. The last third of Robin was complete shit. Five years of Flash, complete shit. He hasn't done anything good in DC in a long time. And I know Brandon can't stand it when I when I go on about this, but they're just it's it's one fuck up after another. First, let's get rid of 5G. Now we're gonna do this infinite frontier stuff where we tell you and we promise you everything matters. But as it turns out, nothing does. And on that cheery note, we will now go to our commercial break. Um, so we will be back shortly. Stay tuned. And we're back, and we're going to kick it off with our first book for the main reviews, Batgirls number 11. This is brought to us from the usual suspects, though not in any crime sense of the word, Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad on our story with art from Neil Gouge, or Gouge, I don't know, you figure it out. Uh, with inks from Scott Godlewski, as well as finishes, and additional inks from Wayne Foucher, colors from Rico Renzi, and letters from Becca Carey. So with the battalion that put together this book, it has to be something of serious quality. 
but I guess we will have to find out. So the Hill Ripper is still there, is still out there. And our Batgirls are on the case, trying to track down just who the killer might be. Over in the GCPD's office, Commissioner Montoya is trying to figure out what the hell to do. And one of the officers, Brooks, comes in and informs her that this is a case that they just can't solve themselves. Because apparently the police are so incompetent that they cannot find this killer on their own. And they need the Batman to bail them out. Or Batgirls... As the Batgirl, or specifically the Barbara Gordon Batgirl, is the one who shows up when Officer Brooks decides to break protocol and call one of the Batgirls, asking for her help specifically. We're going to take a little break from that, however, to cut over to the Gotham City Zoo, where Steph and Cass are taking a much-needed rest and are going to meet up with some... Or, or not. <laughs> or, or we'll never know what they're going to do next. Because our, our dear friend Rob has left us again. I'm sure it's just a connection issue. He should be back shortly. Do you, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, he'll, he'll be okay. back. Okay. Uh, yeah, so our, our oh, he's back, folks, so I can continue. I hope you weren't in suspense for too long. Uh, but our Batgirls, as I said, are meeting up with some friends, or maybe more, um, as Kyle and Maps Mitsuguchi show up to assist with uh, whatever they're doing at the zoo. But really, it's just Maps and Cass who are going on their little adventure, while Kyle and Steph bond with quotation marks around the word bond, because if this is flirting, it's the most awkward and, like, just not even, not even flirting, flirting that ever was. Uh, but the attention, or at least our attention, whoa, let me try that again, our attention uh, should be shifted towards Maps and Cass, who decided to go underground, try and check out some of the bats. But as they make their way into the mysterious bat caves, they don't find a bat hanging around. They find a moth, which is, frankly, very disappointing. Um, but uh, I guess it's good for Cass and good for the rest of them. Cass puts on her cowl and works to free killer moth, which would raise some eyebrows uh, in normal circumstances. But rest assured, the captions have us covered and let us know that Cass planted Fido on Killer Moth as a tracker so they could catch up with him later. Uh, Steph and Cass later rendezvous, and Cass informs Steph that she placed Fido on the tracker, which will allow them to follow the location of Killer Moth. They do so, making their way across the hill to a creepy old mansion um, or creepy old house or something like that, owned by a woman named Hattie Elwood, or used to be owned by a woman named Hattie Elwood. Though, as they later find out, she is dead, completely hollowed out, like a, like like Norma from Bates Motel um, or Psycho, I guess. Um, and they find out that the mysterious puppet master behind the entire thing may or may not be Grace O'Halloran, except at the last moment, a surprise reveal. It's not Grace. It is none other than our dear friend Edward Nigma, who. Looks to have killed Killer Moth, but uh, he may just be indisposed, we're not entirely sure. And informs our Batgirls that they've walked right into his trap, asking them to solve his newest riddle, why were the Batgirls buried in Gotham Cemetery? Uh, the answer to that riddle is actually at the end of this issue, but I won't spoil it for you, dear reader. You can find out for yourself, although if you are of average intelligence, you can probably figure it out. Um, I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, I, I'm still not in love with this art from Neil Gouge or Gouge, but I'm at least interested in the story, and uh, 
I, I was I was happy to see that uh, that Steph was like, yeah, no, not, I'm not doing any of that romance. And I was like, thank you, girl. You deserve so much better than than this boring ass man, Kyle. If you're if you're gonna be paired with anyone, please don't let it be the most boring character from Gotham Academy. Um, but aside from that, it was really fun um, and uh, a very wholesome moment uh, between Steph and Cass, where they uh, they were like. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was fun, but uh, I, I'm always having fun with I'm With You, uh, Steph, or, or something to that effect, which I, I thought was very sweet. Always nice when you get those those friendship moments, especially in a book like this. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just fun. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping it uh, keeps the energy going. Um, see what happens next. So see who's, who's really behind these Hill murders, whether it is Riddler or someone else or... Uh, you know, some some mysterious third party that uh, that we we don't even know. Um, so this one got an eight out of ten for me. I uh, I had a lot of fun. Maps is just adorable. Maps I, is the I best. want more of this character. <laughs> Maps is the only reason you should read Gotham Academy. No, I'm kidding. Yes. There's, there's other reasons, but she's easily the best character. Easily. I I really need to read Gotham Academy. Yes. My oh, goodness. So fun. <laughs> There's an uh, issue. I, I don't want to spoil too much, but she teams up. Actually, there's two issues where she teams up with uh, with Damien. Damien is at is at Gotham Academy for a day. I won't spoil why, but uh, if you read it, you'll figure it out. And they are like, just the best duo. Oh, I could see that. Oh, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta get into this book. Yeah. Um, as for this book, though, I'm loving how much better it got, at least for me. Um, I understand it. other people might have different opinions about this book, but for me, it's it's exactly what I've been hoping for. What I was looking for when this was announced and what I was asking for two, three years ago. So this this is much better. Uh, the art's improved. The the writing's improved. The story is is more interesting. It, it doesn't have to be bogged down by an overarching plot that is contrived and boring, and nobody really asks for it. It's just telling stories it wants to tell, and that's all it needs to do. And I'm so happy about that because we we just need the Batgirls to work together, <laughs> and it's good <laughs> in my books. Uh, all the world needs exactly. Maybe Maps could be a Batgirl one day, too. You know, big dreams. Who knows? Um, yeah, uh, where's this? I'm getting confused with the next book. Great. I gave this an 8.5 out of 10. Rather enjoyed it. I, I look forward to see where this goes. I, I don't think Riddler's the be-all end-all, though. That seems a little too obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we still have the, the whole Mr. Fun angle, so I imagine there's definitely more you know, that we, that we still need to learn about who's behind all the murders and stuff. But, uh, yeah, no, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all ties together. I'm thinking Clue Master. Oh, my God. Is he dead? Or, wait, no. He was, I don't even remember. I'm thinking Nobody's he's dead, dead. Too, but I don't put any weight to that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, like, I vaguely remember him being alive in, I want to say, Young Justice. Um, but I don't, I don't even remember. That book was like three years ago at this point. Yeah. Literally every book is getting meta and making jokes about how nobody really dies. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, wait, yeah. wait. Hold up. Actually, this is going to make you so mad, but I'm hoping it'll oh, at no. least put a smile on your face because uh, you seem a little, little dour today. Um, but at the Superman panel... 
and I, I don't want to derail it too much, but on the on the subject of death at the Superman panel, and you can actually find this in the transcripts that are online. Um, Williamson made a joke. He's just like, I mean, look, we all know the Justice League are coming back. Like, it's no secret. And everyone in the audience had like kind of a weak laughter, but it, it was it was like the kind of like exasperated laughter where you're just like, oh my god, dude, come on, like just stop, like just stop, yeah. just stop, please, <laughs> please just stop. Because literally, uh, yeah, so fucking sick of him. I I thought that was funny, but not mm. not for him. <laughs> no, it's 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 every, it's, it's not funny. He's literally admitting to what he does not matter, and he thinks it's cute. If if that was literally any other job, he'd be fired in a heartbeat. Imagine that as a restaurant worker or or a factory worker or whatever. You go in, you set up your machine, you got all your parts ready to put shit on, and then you walk. <laughs> you you never I, press the button to go. I mean, anyway. I, I, it's, I'd be pretty upset if my waiter told me at the restaurant, yeah, we all know, the cow's not really dead. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh but as far as Batgirl goes, um, the art in here, it's... Not my bag, like always. It's it's a little bit less quality to me than the previous arc. The story is a little bit better quality than the previous arc. Um, I I need this book to get get traction. Um, I mean the art is where it's at, and this is the direction that they want to put on Batgirls. It ain't fucking Riley Rosmo, so I can deal with it. Um. I guess the, my problem with Batgirls is it, it just feels like a story I'm reading. There, I, 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 I forget about it. It's, it's there, and I'm like, oh, cool, Batgirls. But I've, I can't remember the last... I, actually, I don't know that I've looked forward to an issue since I heard that it was beginning. I, I looked forward to number one, but the rest of them have been just there. Um, I thought about going lower in the score, but I don't hate it. It's 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 like it's like a coaster sitting on your end table you just never fucking use. Um, kind of boring. Thing. I gave it a six point seven five out of ten. Uh, the way well, you describe that, where it's it's just it's kind of there. I appreciate the the books that I feel like like that every month more because while you have your the books you look forward to and you know your favorite titles like we all love nightwing and but we were all enjoying like other books you put those subconsciously on a pedestal where like you're excited for it and you expect more out of it but when you have those books that you just like you you're not upset that it's a, it's here but you're not necessarily looking forward to it and then it's good it's, it's a pleasant surprise to your day like uh, I was I didn't put any weight to this, but it was pretty good and it made me feel good about it. So good for that. That's that's true. You you definitely need like your solid like Sunday I don't want to say mid tier. I don't want to say yeah. mid tier books, but like books that you know you know are going to be consistent at the very least. Um, yeah. And uh, like yeah, I could was, read Garfield and not spend fucking four dollars on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think Garfield uh, is nearly as entertaining as our Batgirls, like, but uh, that's how, that's just personal in your neck of the woods because it's almost four bucks up here <laughs> is it really uh it's about four yeah. four dollars down here but you get a whole bunch of comics and actual that's, that's anyway true. it's just me yeah. being a shit 
Uh, I, I gave it a 6.75 out of 10. Yeah. Um, are y'all, had, y'all scored it and rated it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, before I was rudely interrupted, um, on the subject of books that I wish I could forget, not Batgirls, but uh, maybe some <laughs> other ones, I figured we could move on to our next one, Wonder Woman 792. Although, maybe I'm being a little harsher on this one, because honestly, I... I don't know that it was uh, one that I wanted to purge from my mind quite as much as previous issues, but I will pass that over to Josh right now. Written by the same writers, Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, with art from Marguerite Sauvage, letters from Pat Brajot, and the cover came from Yannick Paquette and Nathan Fairbairn. Uh, Diane is still inside Kale Industries' secret lab. Um, Wonder Woman found Cheetah as a full-on Cat, cat um, rather than how we normally see her. Diana Freezer, and, uh, you know, promptly gets attacked by Cheetah for doing so. A guard walks in, shoots Barbara with a tranquilizer, then tries to hit Wonder Woman, and that doesn't work out. She tries to interrogate him, but he takes a cyanide pill as the lab initiates a self-destruct sequence. Diana escapes the lab with Cheetah to be followed by more security guards. No worry, the Escazita are there to mow them down and kill as many as possible. Anybody that didn't die ran away for their life. Diana and Mena stay the night in the jungle, uh, sending the rest of the Escazita away in the hopes of being able to get Cheetah to find her humanity and change back to normal. And of course, it's successful. While all of this is going on in Olympus, Phobos and Deimos, who are still incorrectly identified, I might add, there's been no fixing that, are revealed to be the shadowy figures that was appearing on the TVs for uh, Cisco before in the story, and they tell her of the lab that was blown up. Uh, Hera couldn't care less, um, as she is saying that whoever didn't, drink the milk and wasn't brainwashed will uh, to worship them will just be squashed under the foot of a god, so to speak. They will be shown fear and uh, as a uh, motivation to worship the gods. A week later, we get a quick peek at Edda and Dal, where we find out that she leaked the story of the milk extra, and it led to the FDA recall of all the milk. Then we go to Checkmate. Edda, Steve, and Siggy are, are talking about their current events when in walks Cheetah as a member of Checkmate now, looking for revenge, and she's got a pretty cool almost yoga studio outfit on, and I like it. It looks cool. Uh, you can tell Edda and Steve are feeling a little bit of a zoom, zoom, boom, boom as they sit their coffee with sweat running down their brow. Before Barbara tells them that Diana had an errand to run, and indeed she did, she answered a call from space from someone she will always answer, good old Clark Kent. There is a backup, but gross. The rest, it's it's good, even if it is the milk story continued as I thought it would be. I, I feel like it's going to be dragged out because it's, it's Clunan and Conrad. We're going to get at least another four or five fucking issues of this shit. Um... I'm I'm glad to I'm glad to see that the focus on the milk seems to be over though. Savage um is never going to be my favorite artist. To me it to me it when when she submits art 
it looks like a computer drawing where somebody is trying to make it look like it's pencil. And it just doesn't work for me. It's not bad, but the style just... It, okay, this is gonna. And this is like the weirdest way to de- describe something, but dreamy, wishy washy, squishy art. <laughs> I don't even know. What and that um, means. I, get the I don't know part. either. Don't know but it's just it's it's means, it's soft and 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 bright and vibrant at the same time, and it feels like it's going in a couple of different directions. It's not bad. It's just it's just not for me. And at times it did it was distracting from the story as I flipped a panel or or flipped a page or moved to a panel. Ultimately, it really wasn't bad, and it is better than the milk issues that we had leading up to this. Now let's get into some warfare with the with the gods already. All of the tribes versus Olympus. Yes, please. Um this issue I gave a seven out of ten. Very nice. Uh, I'm on the opposite side of you. Surprise, surprise. Um, in terms of art, um, I, I sometimes have enjoyed some of Marguerite Savage's stuff. Sometimes it can be a little um, not as good. Um, I'm searching for the words. Um, is it I think dreamy, wishy washy, squishy? It is nothing near <laughs> that, my friend. I don't know where the fuck that came from. Um, but I think when it when it's in a certain place in a certain corner, uh, it can work really well, and I think that worked exceptionally well in the scenes with uh, with Diana and Cheetah in particular, um, uh, especially the last couple pages where you know Diana is flying off into space to meet up with Clark. Just I thought that looked gorgeous. Um, but yeah, aside from that, not a bad issue by any means. Definitely more of a focus on you know Diana and Cheetah and the Escasita. Uh, and holy wonder pants! I don't know where that came from. Um, I, 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 I was kind of confused because I, I was yeah. like, "Am I? Is this like part of the hallucination, or, or I'm hallucin? I don't know. Um, I don't think it's a bad design. I actually think it looks kind of cool, but it just kind of, it just kind of ap- appeared out of nowhere. Um, so maybe that's uh, some design that will come back in the future. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, aside from that. Kind of fun, I would say. Kind of, uh, kind of enjoyable. Uh, so I gave this one an eight out of ten as well. Cool. Oh wait, yeah, that, I didn't that, give it an uh... eight out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that costume was a little odd. Like at least oddly placed, because I was also kind of confused by it. Like, what, what the hell's going what, on what, here? The pants what, were a nice touch, but <laughs> but what it was happened? it. It also kind of just looked weird at the same time. I don't know. There was something about it. I, I didn't love, like, it was missing something. Um, I didn't hate it. And then mm-hmm. it just disappeared later on. She went back to her more modern costume. So I don't I don't know what's going on there. Uh, it's very confusing, but yeah, we'll see where it goes. Um, I thought the art was great. I rather enjoyed it. Uh, the story is definitely better than we've had more recently. I hope it stays this good, or even better. Just don't go, don't go back to Doctor Psycho. That's not it's worth really it. Um, my my biggest pull from this is if if I'm looking at it right, is Hera pulling a Belle Delphine and bathing in the milk and selling it to no. like thirsty oh. boys. Why do you know this? <laughs> That was all over the internet for like a good two months. Uh, (laughs) You couldn't surf the internet and not see that news. Oh, I remember. 
God, I wish I didn't, but I do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's, the sad that's part is that people me. actually bought that shit. Yeah, she made a killing off that. Oh my god. That's... Uh, some people. <laughs> but that's that's what it... At least to me, that's what it looked like in that panel where she's talking to Phobos and Deimos. It looked like she was bathing in milk. And if she's the, the mastermind behind the the International Milk Company, is that what it's called? Uh, mm, then something like that, yeah. Who knows? There's definitely some godly stuff going on in that milk. Uh, I'm thinking it might even be some kind of ambrosia. I don't know. In the milk? It's, it, or, the mind control shit was from those flowers that were in the secret lab. Oh, I yeah, think, that's right. I think... I think she's just taking a bath. I think that's all that is. Yeah. I hope so. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I I can't wait to get past the milk stuff and just get back to gods. Um, that's what I look forward to in Wonder Woman, is the god stuff. I don't know. I, I've always loved mythology. And this is kind of weird. I, I give it an 8.5, though, still. Uh, apart from the milk stuff, the rest of it was kind of enjoyable. Uh, I just hope it, it stays better. Indeed. All right. Well, maybe our next title will be fittingly better uh, as we ascend, in a way, uh, to Son of Kalel, number 16, which I'm going to hand over to Rob. Right on, good sir. This is part two of Kalel Returns. They brought back the. Uh, I think they called them the Diamond Stories during the, the Superman panel. And this is yes, yeah, the, the, the first story arc in that idea that they, they did for a while in the late 80s and 90s. With interconnected stories among all the Superman titles, I thought it was a really nice touch. So this mm-hmm. issue is brought to us from writer Tom Taylor with art from Kian Tormi and Rurer... Ruari Coleman. I apologize if I butchered Ruari? your first name. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Ruari. Ruari. I said Ruari, but, but Ruari. don't, don't trust Ruari. this. This fucking. It's as messed up as trying to say rule. Yeah, don't don't trust this <laughs> fucked up Americanized California tongue. Who who knows? Uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr. Letters from Dave Sharp and a wonderful, very nice cover from Travis Moore and Tamara Bonvillane, as is the status quo, I would say. So we pick up uh, in the past, where John was still a little boy. I imagine the attendance of the Superman panel would be ecstatic about that. Uh, where he first... <laughs> I'm not, like, I, people are going to think I'm making this up. I'm really not. Like, I can... Oh, I believe it. Yeah, I, I see enough talk on Reddit of people just, yeah. like, screaming for Young John again. And as much as I miss Young John, it's too late to go back. It's like I, bringing I, yeah, back was, to life. Just don't do I it. Was, I was ambivalent. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, at this point, there's really nothing you can do. Like, let's just, let's yeah. just move forward. It's, but... it's happened. Yeah. It's There's nothing we can do to change it now. Yeah. There, there uh, is. There is, but it shouldn't happen. <laughs> it, it, they, they don't... Ah. They don't care. They just don't care. Yeah. I'm okay with like stories going into the past. Like we have Super Sons. If, if Tomasi wants to do more Super Sons stories, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But don't make it the status quo. Let's just have some stories in the past. That's fine. Yeah, but again, that's just... that, whether or not Young John is coming back. That's all speculation. That that could just be some 
some some Chandler well, nonsense. Um, I mean, if we're getting uh, if we're getting a backup that focuses on Young John, and we're losing the main title of John, then I'm going to say that means Young John is back. Yeah, I mean, well, because again, the mini is is coming out, and whether that leads to bigger things or not is totally unclear. Because that could, you know, very easily lead to another ongoing. Who knows? It's, well, it's I tell you what, if Rick Moranis right shows up in the fucking first issue, you know exactly what's going to happen. Moranis, what? The, <laughs> what? What does that have to do with anything? Honey, I shrunk the Superman. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, as entertaining as that would be, uh, somehow I, I don't think that's going to happen. And then Rick Moranis appears in Poison Ivy. Oh, God. And then He's like, Rick Moranis appears in, shop. in little... like, hey, some you... next Justice League Dark backup. No, he sees <laughs> Dead Man and he's like, and oh then... my God, it's, it's then... Gozer again. He 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 uh, he uh, he heads up the Justice League space <laughs> in the search for more money. Justice League United returns, and he shows up in a toque and a hat and a beard yeah. with his brother Dave Thomas. Yes. Rick Moranis has not had any love in a long time, and he has had a really rough life. Let's get him back out there in comics. Hey, he's he's coming back. He's making a return. I'm all for it. That man is a treasure. Me too. If you you are not familiar with Bob and Doug McKenzie, you are missing out. Shut up, you fucking hoser. (laughs) Anyway. What's that all What the hell was I going to (laughs) say? Superman, Son of Jal-El, number 16. Yeah. I, I was going to say, though, if anyhow friggin' DC pulls a reboot season three and we have both Old John and Young John together at the same time, like they had Enzo and Matrix, I don't know if only Canadian kids will get this reference. You guys are very silent. <laughs> no, re- sorry, re- reboot sorry, was dude. down here, too. Okay. And it's on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. What the fuck? It's on Netflix? I think so. My kids have seen it. Shit. I don't know. I don't think we have it on Netflix, which seems really weird. Oh, I mean, let's just use Netflix as a synonym for, like, streaming services, like, Everybody has with Kleenex and facial tissue. Oh, yeah, I was about to say. (laughs) I mean, even, even that, I had to buy the series on dvd to watch it again i don't think it's on any streaming service up here (laughs) i don't know canadians (sighs) miss out on all the good shit even canadian stuff damn it it's true anyway let's talk about johnny boy shall we i was gonna say they'll film shows in canada that they they don't even release in canada that's it they do that with titans wasn't titans filming in like toronto it's filmed it took in like, Toronto like every season, years. and we yeah. don't get it until like a month <laughs> after the entire series is aired. Oh, that in is the so US. funny! I think at the very least, the home city should get to watch it first. They're, you just, know? they're just exploiting <laughs> you for your cities and your landscapes. Not, I, I yet to finish season three because I knew the entire fucking story before we got the first episode, and I just don't care <laughs> that anymore. Is, that is tragic. It's so stupid, but 
<laughs> Again, I digress. <laughs> Son of Kal-El is having some issues as a boy. Um, in the past, when he was really young, his super hearing started to develop, and Clark, in his classic, if you remember, black and silver costume during that brief period after conversions, during that uh, Superman and Lois and title Clark. Yeah. I don't also by Dan so like an eight-issue mini. Yeah, it was, it was a great freaking uh, mini. I loved it. Uh, it helps him focus his super hearing into something a little more um, easier to easier to manage, and John focuses on his father's heartbeat, which calms him down and uh, quiets everything else in the world. Uh, and then we jump into the future. He's waking up, uh, realizing it's been months since he last heard his father's heartbeat, and he misses him so he gets dressed, uh, kind of half-dressed. He's wearing a Superman shirt, but also wearing sweatpants. Uh, I guess also kind of following in his father's footsteps, if you read Grant Morrison's Action Comics in the New 52. Um, following in his brother's footsteps, like Connor. Kind of looks like Connor for a second there. Uh, yeah. yeah. I've never actually thought of them, that, that they could be actually kind of like brothers. Mm-hmm. Though that raises a clone question. Is your clone your son or your oh, God. sibling? That's a sibling. whole other can of worms. Sibling, right? I mean, it's sibling because if, Riley... if it's your clone, it has one hundred percent of your DNA. If if it's your yeah. if it's your child, it only has half of it. So I mean, Matt, it's like asking which DNA came first, the chicken or the egg. He's half Clark, half Lex, so he does only yeah. have half of Clark's DNA. So. so he's more he's more Uncle Connor than than Bro Connor. Uh, second cousin twice removed. How about that? Why don't we just oh, roll God. with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's how about, how about, how about it's complicated? Let's leave yeah. it at that. If he, he if he shows up to school and he's like, that is, is way too Facebook. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's like, brother. it's complicated. It's <laughs> the uncle brother. Yeah. We're just gonna call it Jerry <laughs> Springer. Facebook. Oh God. God. Oh. <laughs> you are not I, the father. I always That's prefer more Maury. Maury. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Clark Kent. Daytime television. Yeah. Oh God, Clark Kent. You Daytime not. television was enough like, to keep like, me going like, to school. It's like, it's like Clark and Lex. They're both on an episode of Maury, and Connor's there, and he's like, "All right, now we need Who's to find dad? out if you are the father." Uh, yeah, like, it's like it's both. Clark is the father and lectures jumps up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I told you. <laughs> I told those fucks at Star Labs, I was kid was not mine. I'm not paying shit in alimony. Yeah, I haven't got paid no alimony. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. We need like just just one issue of, of DC characters oh, doing trash TV. So funny. That just one issue. We've had enough back comic to the books 90s. recently. <laughs> we just need one. They they should do a spoof of that with well I mean it's too late at this point but I was thinking of like the Batman versus Deathstroke um, arc they had where it was like they didn't know if Damien was Deathstroke's kid oh, or yeah. Batman's kid and and I wasn't thinking it at the time but now I'm just like damn that would have been a great episode of Maury yeah I, I don't know about great because both are very quiet and brooding. I'm imagining this version of Slade is, is very, very, like, open. And uh, and once he finds out that he's not the father, he just, like, is like, yeah, let's go get drunk, Wintergreen. 
I feel like that co- clone question is a very obvious answer, except when you ask it to people like the whole which came first, the chicken or the egg. Most people are like, ha, 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 real funny. There's no answer to that. But there is, because lizards existed before chickens. There you go. Yep. So like the egg came first. Give birth to, to chickens. The, like, where did chickens yes. come from? That's where the evolution comes into play, my friend. But where did the uh, lizard egg come from? Dinosaurs. But where did the where dinosaur, did dinosaur egg come from? <laughs> How far back can we go? <laughs> the dinosaur the chi- eggs like came the, from dinosaurs, and then the like dinosaurs the, the came from space dust. Yeah, it's all why. Yeah, why? Wait, I don't have kids, wait. but I know that's... Wait know for that's it, Rob. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I can't. I, I I can. I can totally wait. You can wait for that part, trust me. Oh, I definitely <laughs> if I might get that. I'm I'm handing her over to Angela. Here, mommy. Oh, it's gonna that. last for like a year, <laughs> she, dude. She knows all the answers. <laughs> if like, I hey dad, what, hey dad, what are you doing? I'm I'm uh looking for my car keys. Why? Why? Because I like... need to go to the store. Why? Because we need to do some grocery shopping. Why? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it never stops. But you have to answer them. Anyway, I've interrupted you like a million times. Yeah, we have not talked at all about Son of Kal-El. I I am on page seven. And we've gone on like three tangents. This oh is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I can actually get past the intro into the title. Maybe. Card. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, John wakes up and he, he goes to see his mother still awake. She's been awake all night. So awake all night that her coffee from the night before has gone cold. Um, as John points that out, she was working hard writing. Uh, but as John points out that her coffee's gone cold, she remembers that her his father used to reheat it for her every day. Uh, she gets a little sad and tells him to be careful because the news is going AWOL with uh, the, the goings-on after the fallout of Gomorrah and everything John did with the revolutionaries. Uh, so John just reassures her, don't worry, we've got this, and then heats up her coffee, and he heads off to save the world. Before making a quick stop into the, uh, just outside the planetary boundaries of our home planet, into space, where he chooses a direction, looks into deep space to see if he can find any sign of his father, does not, yet he finds some, um, conveniently some dominators looking right back at him, which, you know, that's not a good sign, but he just brushes that off, heads back to Earth, uh, spends the day... Uh, just helping people all around. He visits a children's hospital, tries to visit three children's hospitals every day, and uh, spend some time with some, some kids that are spending some time in the hospital. Uh, plants some a few acres of trees to help uh, reforestation in the Amazon. Uh, it says he checks in with the people he loves, and we see um, you know, some team-ups there. Damien's there. Jay is there. Uh, and then he comes across... Uh, a shipwreck, uh, I think a bridge collapse, there's all sorts of stuff going on, volcano explosion, museum fire, and then he makes a quick pick stop to the man whose arm he broke maybe five, six issues ago, when he tried to save him, but his powers were going AWOL, thanks to 
Igamora Kor and uh, Henry Bendix. Uh, he takes a look at the arm. The arm is fine, but it is it, it is healing well. It's not fine, but it's healing well. Uh, and he wanted to apologize. He's been trying to get there for a while, but he's been really busy. And he says, if there's anything you need, anything at all, just let me know. Uh, but, and the guy asks, there's one thing, just sign my cast. He goes to uh, play fetch with Crypto and visit his uh, family. He sees Ma Kent's and once again heats up Lois's coffee and then visits Lex Luthor. Bum, bum, bum. Whoa. Uh, he tries to goad out any information he can from Lex, but Lex is not giving him anything. Uh, there was a robbery at a police department in Metropolis. Uh, some Lex Corp equipment was taken from the evidence locker. Lex is not too thrilled about that, but knows nothing about it. And John confirms that by the lack of accelerated heartbeats. Besides the fact that maybe lying is just that easy for Lex. But that just then, he, John hears an explosion off in the distance. It is Straker's Island Prison. And John rushes in to figure out what's going on. Uh, he goes to protect uh, a guard from fire surrounding them. But is then attacked by said guard with an electro stick. Uh, and finds out that the guard is actually being controlled by the ultra-humanite whose uh, bonds were broken in an explosion, and the psychic field dampeners were damaged. So John uses super speed, gets around ultra-humanite because he can apparently move faster than thought. Uh, he gets not just around ultra-humanite's arms, but also his uh, brain power, uh, reattaches all the power dampeners together and fixes everything, uh, and puts the dampener back on Ultra Humanite. And then the guards come to, now free from Ultra Humanite's control, to tell John that the explosion was not meant to free Ultra Humanite, it was actually meant to free Metallo. But then. Metallo? Uh, Metallo? Metallo? Mm. I always said Metallo. I don't. You know, I have metal, no idea. I, yeah. yeah. I, I my brother pronounces it Metallo. Yeah. I pronounce it Metallo. So we I, fought over that since we were children. <laughs> I, I used to say metallo, but then it was like metal, metallo. And metallo. I just kind of convinced myself it was metallo. I don't know. Yeah, metallo. I may cool have way. just started doing that shit because my brother was arguing with me. I was like, "Fuck you." Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Who knows? Typical. Uh, Brandon, what do you say? I always said metallo. Um, yeah. I didn't even know people said metallo. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, well, I if, 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 it, if it makes you enough. feel any better, I did have a friend as a child who pronounced it Rogu, the member of the X-Men. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. So if that makes How? you feel any better, I don't have the slightest idea. <laughs> that makes me want to blow up the world. That's so good. Bruh, <laughs> trust me. I, I was like looking at him. I'm like, do you know how many quarters go into a dollar, son? I know. What I mean, <laughs> how did you get no, this? No, he called. I, he he looked right at me and go, "That is Rogu." And I'm like, "That is not Rogu. That is nothing like Rogu." Go go take that to your teacher and ask yes. him. He wouldn't do it. She's my favorite. My sauce. favorite. Right. My favorite Star Wars video game, Rogu Squadron. Played it all the time. <laughs> right? Loved it so much. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. 
I I am I am so going to pronounce it like that just once uh. and see what people say. <laughs> it's like saying bagel over bagel. Bagel. Like, like bagel looks please. like how that's how it should be pronounced, but it's so not right. Does uh. anyone actually say bagel, or was that just in that episode of Community? No, I've, I've, I've actually heard even... like people have never watched Community actually say. Are bagel. you serious? Yeah, oh, if you so over it uh, over in there in Boston, don't they pronounce a bagel? I've never heard that before. I've heard oh, bagel, not in Boston? but I've never heard bagel. Yeah. Nah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the English language is weird and complicated. Oh, that, is, that is disappointing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just after that, John hears another sound in the distance and he flies up into the sky, uh, completely interrupting Ultra Humanite's monologue, but, you know, it's not that important anyway. Uh, he flies high up into the sky, still hearing the thoughts of uh, what the guard was saying and talking down to him, about calling him a freak and an alien, and all the, the thoughts he could hear from people around the world thanks to the ultra-humanites. But it all gets drowned out by a faint heartbeat that he hears into the sky as he flies directly into Clark's arms with a sound that would shatter windows. Yeah, they share a hug. Uh, a very loving embrace with their flowing capes in the sky. It was very nice. And John feels safe yet again. Then we cut away to uh, the last page. A mystery character on... On Reddit. Oh, you could, yeah, it could be Reddit. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the Intelligentsia, but that's that's oh, the God. She-Hulk on Marvel. It's not uh, uh. not DC or Superboy. Superman, sorry. Um... Some people that are, are basically just talking down uh, John's actions with Gamora. And then one person named Red Sin, the screen name Red Sin, says, I can do something about this. He thinks he's special. I can make him less special. And we see the missing LexCorp equipment from the evidence locker glowing red uh, with the name Red Sin. You can only imagine something red is going to happen. Probably Red Kryptonite. I know that's always had varying degrees of efficacy or, you know, like whatever the hell it does, depending on who's writing it or what world it is. What does it do in this world? Does it take away the powers? I don't know. That's what I remember. Okay. Or is that a I always get confused sun? with Smallville, which just made them an asshole. No. Red yeah. Sun, the, 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 Replacing it with a red sun gives him back the same kind of sun that he had on Krypton that removes his powers. Traditionally speaking, the red kryptonite will either A, make him incredibly angry and unpredictable, or or the other option, make his powers uncontrollable. They they zip in and out of, of strength, and they amplify, and they decrease, and he has no control over them like that. Traditionally speaking. Yeah, uh, it's too complicated. I, I but, say just do a there's with the there's pink kryptonite, kryptonite, there's silver kryptonite, there's black kryptonite, there's all kinds of kryptonite. Well, well, there's, let's just there's... have the green kryptonite and be done with it. Yeah, simplify. We don't need a kryptonite core. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or do we? Oh my God! Is that the next story? <laughs> Guys, write this down. <laughs> uh. We're calling it now. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah, so as for this, I, I like how this really shows off how much John has truly stepped into the role of Superman. He's embraced it. Uh, he does it really well. He does all the, the stops that he needs to make and, and just shows off to the world that he's here for them and can do this job. Beyond that, it was just a nice issue. Very simple plot, to the point, not much going on. Keeps up with the overall arc of the uh, Superman books that's going on in the world. And if they keep up with these Diamond stories like they used to, then this could very well turn into another great era for Superman. Uh, it's it's ah. going to... Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you again. What? Williamson is going to take over <laughs> Superman. No matter how diamond right, this shit all gets. Right, all right, <laughs> I mean, as all much right, as I agree right. with you, as much as I agree with you, I, I will I will always wait and see. Yes. I'll wait oh, and yeah. see. Yeah. Let's, let's I'm not too excited see. about Joshua. I was excited about I'm excited about Joshua Williamson taking over Superman as much as I was excited about Bendis taking over Superman, which was not excited at all. But I will still wait and see because sometimes people can surprise you. Yeah. I believe anything can happen, and I'm really hoping mm. that Anything can happen here. We'll see. My next one will be better. Yes, after seven or eight years of not doing that, that's probably going to happen. No one's going to get that. But but it was for me. Um, That sounds familiar. What's that a reference to? It's uh, it's It's an Ed Wood reference where he's like, my next movie will be better. That's terrible. Um, That's a great movie. But yeah, this, this issue was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, 9 out of 10. I'm sad to see this story go soon. Two mm. more issues. Yes, This was um, a, a fun one for me, at least. But I, I don't know. I think, I think because I read this after the news came out that the series would be coming to an end, um, I, I kind of felt a little deflated reading this one because I, obviously I know that they're getting the follow-up series next and... Certainly that will have important uh, ramifications for John in the future, at least I hope so, but I don't know, like, just, I'm, I, it feels like I'm kind of, like, now that I know that the series is coming to an end, I'm, like, biding my time, and I'm just like, okay, how's it going to end at 18? Is it going to be satisfying? And I shouldn't do that. I know I shouldn't, because, I mean, hopefully it's an enjoyable ride. I mean, I know the, the pacing had been kind of whack, at least for me, and, you know, for some others, but, um, you know, hopefully when you read it all as one story, it can, it can be more enjoyable, um, which I, I certainly plan to do. Um, but I don't know, like just, just knowing that the series is, it has like what, three issues left or two now. Um, I feel like I kind of got deflated in my excitement in reading this. So as enjoyable as it was, it kind of feels like I'm just waiting for it to end and see what the next step is going to be, um, with, with adventures of Superman. So I don't know. It, it's not bad by any means, but, um, I just, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not really sure how to feel just yet um, until we kind of get those next important steps. So this one got a 7.5 out of 10 for me. All right. Well, I think this is great art, as always. It always does. Um, I would like to see um, Connor start calling himself Superman and Kara as well. Um, If we could get Crypto to change his name to Superman, that would be great. Um this issue is seriously slow moving to me. Well, I mean, if we're gonna have, what are we gonna? What are we? If if Clark Kent is Superman and Jonathan Kent is Superman, I mean, maybe we can. Maybe maybe we can have a title called Superman 
with all the supermen, and it'll get canceled every six issues. Yeah, yeah, but it'll be that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, I, I would really like that. Yeah. Um, in a freak turn for the son of Kal El, because I've never rated it an issue below an eight point two five. Um, this was seriously slow moving for me. I get that it's a setup issue for what's coming next, Who are and it you? was. It Where's was Joshko. Is he here today? It was. It was. It was cool to see him heating Lois's coffee. I mean, that is some old school Superman shit that I, I loved and I recognized it. Um, that's about it, though. I'm. I'm. I'm not trying to shit on the book. It was just a setup issue. There was literally nothing going on except a bunch of pages that, to me, show why we shouldn't make him young again. Um, except for this, whoever this red sin is supposed to be. And I can't help but wonder if all that is, is the development of a red kryptonite version of Metallo. Um, but then again, I don't read solicits, so who fucking knows? For this issue, a slow setup kind of doesn't go anywhere. 6.75 out of 10. Man, you gave a lower score than me. You're like some strange alien. Um... I, I will a say, as, as stories, a final God point, <laughs> as a final point, I, I don't know if it was an explicit reference, but it just made me think of it. But the scene where John is at um, at Lex's gym, uh, for, for lack of a better term, um, and he's like, oh, do you lift Je- or, or Lex? Or I almost called him Jeff for some reason. Um, <laughs> Would Jeff. you like a spot? Um, I, I don't know if this was a reference to All-Star Superman, but I know that there's that issue where um, Clark, Clark Kent, like the normal Clark Kent, visits Lex, and he's kind of like walking him through uh, his life in prison or something like that um, before he ultimately escapes. And in one of those scenes, he's lifting like almost exactly like this, and I think he asks um, Clark to spot him. And I, I don't know if that was an explicit reference or if it was Taylor being cheeky or something like that, but it, it made me think of that. Um, Given Taylor, was, probably kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. All right, I guess we move over to the last issue of the week here: Batman yeah, versus yeah. Robin. That is correct. All right, Batman versus Robin number two, written by Mark Wade, art by Mahmoud. Mahmoud Azrar, colors yes, from Jordi Belair. Steve, yeah, um, colors from Jordi Belair. Steve Wands on letters, and Azrar and Nathan Fairbairn did the cover. Um, the Devil Neza has conscripted, conscripted, like Putin, many magic users to his side and had them mess up plenty of others. Here we have an elemental named Jinx and a dude named Tanarak in Atlanta stealing the mystic gem of Ariane. Um, Not just some dude. Jinx is, you know, part of the Fearsome Five. The OG uh, yeah. Fearsome Five, I should say. Um. Anyway, uh, they're there to steal the mystical gem of Ariane. Uh, which is the portal to the dark world. I can't help if he's pulling a Mark Russell here and just taking a little political sting. If he is, I appreciate the pun, Mr. Wade. But anyway, they get to the gem that meets up with Zor and Clarion, who have retrieved Ragman's soul suit by peeling it off of him, literally. I'm mad at being mean to Ragman, and this better not be a permanent thing, but I have a feeling that nothing inside 
this series is going to really matter to anything outside of the universe, even if there's a fucking spinoff called Planet Lazarus. Um, anyway, one of my favorite Gotham citizens shows up in this title, and she has been out of the limelight for a very long time. Black Alice is being held by Neza and Mother Soul. Black Alice, if you were unaware, depending on who has written her, has the ability to either copy or steal the powers of any supers near her one at a time. Only problem is sometimes she can't control it, and a lot of that has to do with the pain that it causes. Mother Soul sees Damien while this is happening. Mother Soul sees Damien in the shadows and tells him he need not hide, to which he basically replies he's just not a fan of suffering. Meanwhile, in Kentucky, where Zatanna has uh, transported them to, Batman and Alfred get into it with Faust Sr. before moving on with their journey to the House of Secrets. Another Sandman universe inclusion in the DC universe, who apparently is going to gobble up all of the things that should stay separate. Featuring Cain and Abel, they enter. They quickly see a memory from Damien of his time during the tourney on Lazarus Island, and now him and his associates defeated the Lazarus demon. Alfred and Bruce start being attacked at that time by very, very tiny versions of said Lazarus demon before they snap out of the hallucination uh, just to move into another one. They move from the House of Secrets to the House of Mystery and watch a performance by Mother Soul lamenting her Lazarus demon offering up the origin of the Lazarus Pits. Apparently, it was refined from a Chinese elixir of resurrection and immortality mixed with the blood and tears of a grieving father. And I guess that is how they have popped up in random pools and underground caves across the world. Uh, Okay. Anyway, Bruce snaps out of that hallucination just to get another one, and then another one after that. We see Damien, uh, we see another Damien memory of him finding the door to Neza that we've seen twice now, and Neza taking control of Damien, instantly recognizing him as the son of his imprisoner, or jailer, I think he says. Uh, anyway, so um, Batman now recognizes him, seeing the memory of Damien, and remembers how long ago he and Superman took him down, except it was more than just them, but okay. Uh, More hallucinations as Damien grows to be about 20 feet tall and lights the house on fire while taunting Batman, who promptly escapes the burning house. Because he's been such a good little boy, Mother Soul gives Damien a present, his Batman 666 outfit, which she calls, and I quote, the ultimate ascension of Damian Wayne into his destined birthright. Such a phrase. End quote. Damian puts it on and asks if it comes with accessories, and Mother Soul replies as we turn the page, absolutely, what is a Batman without his Robins? And we see a single splash page of Nightwing, Spoiler, Tim Drake, and Red Hood, all of whom have other stories going on, big stories, Outside, Alfred and Batman discuss that they can't call in Superman because Neza will take him over as well, um, as well as all the magic users that Neza had taken, um, Deadman, etc. 
Alfred vows to be at his side, saying, that's what I'm here for, on another splash. But we see the shadow spilling into the ground in front of Alfred, a shadow in the shape of the Devil Neza. Next up, Island of Death. So I liked about a third of the pages count worth of art. Counting the individual pages or panels up, I liked about a third of the pages if I smushed those good ones onto just a third. I got a hard, rushed 90s uh, feel to the art, and I'm just not about that rushed look. And as someone who loved the idea of the world's finest, even when everybody was hating on it, I really enjoyed that run, and I was really looking forward to this series. I'm just not impressed. Both issue one and this one feels like they did the top name treatment saying, hey, dude, write what the fuck ever you want. We'll fix it with caption boxes later or not, whatever. That's not cool. I'm disappointed. I love Mark Wade, and this does not feel like Mark Wade at all. Batman's voice still sounds like he's in the world's finest days um, the, from the 60s. Overall, I'm just not impressed with the series I was supposed to be gushing over. At the very best, I can give this a 6 and a 5.5 without that pun from earlier. That's all I have from this one. So disappointed. I so want to hate this book, but I just can't. It's it's I don't know if it's the if it's the writing or the pacing or something or I mean, I I really enjoy Mamadas Rosart. Um so, you know, seeing him do a lot of these renditions of DC characters is is very fun, but I just, I can't, I can't, like, I would be lying to myself if I said, God, this book sucks, because it, it doesn't, at least not for me. Like, I, I went in pretty much just like, uh, it's just going to try and fuck up the status quo of, you know, Robin and, and Batman, respectively, but it, it is chaotic, don't get me wrong, but I don't know, it's, for me, it's just a lot of fun, um, but I will say that this, this man is a liar, because um, I really don't think it's... I really don't think the whole point of this is is Robin versus Batman. I think it's just building to this magical conflict and giving Mark Wade an excuse to to write all these magic characters that he that he previously had before, pulling out like all these deep cuts like Tanarak, which I, I don't think anybody's used Tanarak since like Jeff Lemire's Superboy in 2010. Maybe maybe a little bit during the New 52, but I don't remember. Um, and and of course uh, Faust and um, all the characters from the original House of Mystery and House of Secrets anthology, which actually predates the the Sandman stuff, uh, which is a misconception that a lot of people have. But yeah, they, well, they I mean, it was pulled these, into it. Yeah, yeah, but originally they were, you know, they were anthology characters. And then the one that like made my head spin was seeing the three witches from the Witching Hour which was, like, something I hadn't seen probably in years, but I, I remember it was, like, one of my first conventions, and I, I pulled this random issue of The Witching Hour, and it had, like, a, a picture of a skeleton dressed in a Santa costume. I was like, oh, that looks fun. I'll get that as an as a edgy 13-year-old kid. And I remember these, these characters kind of introducing the story. Um, I was like, wow, I can't believe anyone actually remembered them, but, but Mark Waid is, is going for the deep cut. So I don't know. It's It's... As as a magical conflict, um, I have to say it's it's a lot more fun than I thought it would be, um, and uh, I just it's there's something about it that's that's really just working for me. Um, I kind of anticipated the Alfred thing. I knew there was going to be some other you know some other angle to it. It wasn't 
it, it wasn't going to be completely uh, a normal resurrected Alfred with uh, with no consequences there. So it's it's nice to see that they're building towards that. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, for me, it's it's surprisingly fun. Um, and I, I think at this point, if 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 Damien is going to retire from the Robin role, it probably isn't going to be here, just based on all the previews and everything we've seen, where he's he's still featured prominently as Robin. So my early speculation that this would lead to that was total bullshit, um, and I apologize. That was that was probably just other stuff uh, manifesting my my own fears regarding that. But uh, this just really appears to be a, a story about Nez's. Attempt at uh, at controlling the uh, the magical underworld and sort of Batman and, and Alfred are, are trying to, to fight against that. And we actually do see Damien trying to fight back against Maze's control a little bit, um, although you know not quite as, as strongly as I'm sure he will do later. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just for me it was uh, it was a surprising bit of fun, and uh, I'm I'm actually like invested in the series. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens next uh, with the last three issues so i gave this one an 8.5 out of 10 which is is a lot more positive than i than i would have thought it would have been or i would have been oh fair enough i i hate to kill the positivity but <laughs> I, i'm i'm starting to care less about this story it i'm still enjoying it to a certain degree it's just getting a little more telegraphed and and i was not too excited about a return to a dark side Robin or Damien yet again. Uh, the Alfred twist felt a little obvious. I think we, we semi called it from the beginning. There's no way they're bringing Alfred back. And if they are, what the hell are they doing? Uh, the art was nice. I enjoyed it. But at this point, I'm just, I'm waiting for the end, uh, especially after the announcement at NYCC. That That's what I care about now. I, I just mm -hmm. want to see where this goes. And this, at it always felt like a stepping stone, but this now we definitely know is a stepping stone. So I, I'm just waiting. Um, there are some story beats that I'm enjoying, and the art's nice, so I still gave a 7 out of 10. But I, I'm struggling to really in, like care about the story right now. It's a bad god story. It's it's literally Batman versus everybody. Even yeah. the only person on his side is a bad guy. Which is wild. The the bad guy he's facing even. Yeah. It's <laughs> I will say that the one thing that, that I kind of had a hard time believing was was that Batman of all people would not know the history of the Lazarus pits. Like this guy is obsessive about even the most minute of details that that he would be blind to that was a little as as a little questionable, but uh, just out of curiosity, was, since they're making it out lazy. of tiger penis and dad sweat, the Lazarus resins. Um, how in the fuck do we get a planet Lazarus? I mean, that's I assume it's just a name. Like it's not, and it's probably like a you know pun on like oh the Lazarus is going around affecting Earth. It's a Lazarus planet, like an Avengers world or something. You know, it's it's just a supposed to be a fun and playful name not not an actual planet of lazarus resin um okay yeah yeah all oh, right well if there well shit <laughs> was what did you have a final point no that was it it was just we'll say oh, okay 
We'll yeah, see how well, it I was going to say, if, if, there's, uh, if there's nothing left to be said, then we'll move to our top three books of this week. Starting with you, Rob, what were your top three and a favorite moment? Uh, oh, shit. Okay, so <laughs> I, I kind of wrote my, my favorite moment as if I was going last, and I don't know why I did that. Because <laughs> uh, I had three choices. Mm. I was waiting to see what you guys picked first. But my top three, uh, I had uh, number three, I had Future State Gotham. I really enjoyed the series. I had it was up and down for me near the middle, but this last story I thought was a lot of fun, and uh, the way they they included the color scheme at the end I thought was really nice to kind of show uh, that there's a bit more peace in the world and and things are a little a uh, little more safe now. And the Batman Beyond reference was always nice. Uh, number two, I had Son of Kal El. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, that's why I had number two. Uh, really enjoyed this issue. Number one, Batman Inc. Great first issue. Cannot wait to see where this goes. And a favorite moments. Uh, shit. Okay. Uh, yeah, Maps and Cast talking about Batman. I think was might be. That was the first one I wrote down. The first one I came up with. That was really nice. I really enjoyed. That yeah. was cute. Dude, you gotta read Gotham Academy. You're you're really gonna, gonna you're gonna Gotham love that Academy. book if you like Maps. I gotta check that out. All right, over to you, Josh. All right, then. Um, my top three go like this. In third place, I have Urban Legends number twenty. In second place, I have the Batman and Scooby Doo Mysteries number one. And number first place, excuse me, I have Batman Incorporated number one. Uh, my favorite moment is going to be when I got to uh, watch El Gaucho in his old-fashioned costume show up in the Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries. My second part was the sarcasm um, in Batman Incorporated where Sunglasses Cop says, I thought Black Mist was dead. And the blonde cop responds, Name me a superhero who ain't died at one point or another. You ask me, I think they fake their deaths so they take a vacation without folks blaming them for all the things that happened while they were laid back sunning their buns in the Riviera. Honestly, I'm with that guy. That's that's probably what it is. All this stuff yeah. is just some some cockamamie story that's not true. Where they they just they just went on to you know Tamaran or something and and relaxed for like a month. And they pretended to be dead. Read the Scooby-Doo mysteries. They're so much better than all the rest of the books this week. Dangerously close to hero. Probably will not, but I will take your word for it. Um, Sorry, what were you going to say, Rob? I said we're getting dangerously close to hero gasm territory. Oh my god, no! Don't even say that. That's 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 too depraved. as for me, uh, my number three this week was Batgirls. At number two, I had Batman Inc. And at number one, the surprise upset of them all, Batman versus Robin, number two. I don't know, it's just me. But, uh, but I had a good time. Um, but my favorite panel, because I'm, I'm just such a sucker for this costume, um, but it had to be Damien accepting his birthright uh, and, and ascending into the Batman 666 costume. Um, just because I, I love that costume, and any any tease we get of it, will always put a, a smile on my face. Um, so that was that was it for me. Right on. 
All right, well then we will segue on to the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Gentlemen, what were your biggest thinkers for this week? Or biggest thinker? Sounds like you had a couple stinkers, to be honest. <laughs> Mine is Batman versus Robin, hands down. If I'm only going to pick one, that's it. Uh, there were a couple shitty issues this week. Uh, Batman versus Robin wasn't just shitty. It was also a major letdown. Yeah, I, I was almost there, but I'm also just a sucker for not giving a shit about cinematic tie-ins, so Flash, Fastest Man Alive, took my biggest stinker spot. Oh, I yeah. I read I, that. That's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Don't read it. Save yourself yeah, the time. I had not planned to, yeah. <laughs> uh, as for me, my biggest stinker, which I wouldn't say stinky by any regards, but definitely the weakest one of this week goes to Superman Son of Kal-El 16. Again, I, I feel like I'm just waiting for the point where either the miniseries will explore it or something, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting for the end of this book so we can move on to, to whatever else is next, and, and hopefully that is important as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm just kind of biding my time with, uh, with this book and this issue in particular. Uh, but with all that said, we are done with our reviews for this week. Thank you for listening, everyone. We will be here next week talking comics, and we dearly hope you'll stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. Also stop by buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast for either a one-time donation or subscription. You know the rest, but we dearly appreciate it, and we hope you will consider supporting us in any way. With that, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot.